0: welcome to team rabbit hole edition 130 40 that is quantum phoenix with alicia young hall operating out of costa rica Join the team as we go down the rabbit hole with a Scorpio who's using astrology, human design, gene keys, and other cutting-edge spiritual techniques to aid in programming ourselves with internally chosen parameters for the good of all. Welcome.
1: Wow, beautiful intro. Thank you so much.
2: I definitely just wrote it, so I was like cramming like a kid on the back of the bus of school. Like, I got a pop quiz, and I don't know this stuff. Um, I didn't get much sleep last night, a couple hours, so I've been kind of scattered-brained today. But um, thank you, Alicia, for coming on. Um, Basically, we're going to kind of go through the regular rigmarole here. Um, The 140th episode, which is crazy because, I I mean, we're just going through them like water. Um, This reduces down to five, which is the hierophant. Um I am the teacher of universal law, the hierophant, which is like the high priest, the uh as you know probably the uh esoteric or exoteric rather um information masculine kind of um mysteries, it says it's the caretaker of spiritual knowledge, teaching others what you know, awakening to a greater understanding of the world, and paying attention to the details raphael, what's the the characters card for this episode?
0: so this is one forty, so we've got a number five in this case we are at. 32 of the galactic heritage cards zeta reticuli linear thinking past timeline when beings stop themselves from feeling emotion especially fear and resort to only logic to navigate through reality reality becomes very limited new ideas that don't conform to the formula of linear thinking are rejected without exploration this card recommends that you look at your patterns of limited thinking and see how they restrict the experiences you have in life. Let yourself begin to think outside of the box and explore new ideas that previously seemed impossible. The Zetas had to do this in order to heal their species. And most likely, so will humans. Why not start now?
2: Now is the time, as they say um so alicia out of curiosity out of what we just read is there anything that pops out or resonates really strongly
1: well first of all what a way to enter into the rabbit hole that's a fun intro um well i like what you said about the hair font just the spiritual teaching and knowledge and teaching what you know and that's that's kind of what i'm here to do that's what we're all here to do right is kind of take your experiences and talk about them so that as other people maybe come into the same stuff. They have some reference points.
2: Right. And, uh, I mean, just for the record, uh, we had um, Candace Coe on the 105th episode, and so 35 episodes ago, and that's how I became aware of you. She came on. We were talking about Gene Keys. That day I bought the Gene Keys book and um, I've been reading it with my fiance every morning and we're kind of cracking that code. And today, ironically, we just started reading the intro to Human Design. I've been just slacking on that. But we did just finish up a Venus cycle um, once it exited Gemini and entered uh, Cancer recently. So that's a seven-year cycle. And even in the intro, I was talking about that. So I'm like, oh, this is perfect timing. There's never not perfect timing. Um, but my awareness of you is through Candice. Uh, do me a favor and kind of just walk us. I know you're in Costa Rica. I know you're doing a lot of stuff down there. You're even in the same kind of area. if not like neighborhood, literally as Kaipacha, um, so, uh, who's an astrologer that I've been following for a few years and uh just kind of walk me through uh as much as or as little details as you want like the call me ishmael and you know you can tell us you know where you're born what kind of culture you were raised in whatever's clever but how did you get down to costa rica how did you turn on to these kind of methodologies um and yeah just fill us in on who thou art
1: perfect um it's i find it to be a rather interesting story so let's start um yeah you know before about two years ago, I'd never played with astrology. I'd never heard of the gene keys. I'd never done human design. I'd never really looked into any of that type of stuff, which is crazy to think now because my, my days revolve around my intrigue and my obsession with it now. Um, but I would tell you like maybe, maybe five or six years ago, I was just a total regular, normal, like American girl that had a family, was working a corporate job for Dell in Austin, Texas, and I thought I was like living the dream. And uh, and then with the delivery of my last son about four years ago, I had a near-death experience. And so that's when stuff started getting really crazy, um, just hints and clues and signs and you know, starting to become connected a little more with the sun or even understanding the power of such a thing as a solar eclipse, which before I was awake, I just didn't realize those were big deals that stuff was happening. You know, it's like, I, I really, I don't, I don't go too deep into walk-in processes, but something happened to me on this day that Made me start to evolve into a completely different person than I'd ever been in my entire life, and you it got wasn't. Red
2: pill, as they say. <laughs>
1: yeah, I didn't have a choice. It was just like totally different world, and it was beautiful. It's like even through this near death experience, I woke up from it and. Um, and it was like, there it wasn't traumatic. It, there wasn't any emotional shit that I had to get over. It was just like something literally I walked into a new suit. I walked into a new body or this old piece just was, was gone. And that's how everything, honestly, if I look back now, I can see that I was really prepared for true surrender and detachment, like real detachment and true ego death and that whole process and meeting another partner and going through a divorce and like any and everything that could possibly happen. Can you um, go a
2: little into the details of what the walk-in process was for you? We've had some people on who call themselves walk-ins and know very discreetly kind of what occurred. They're from serious, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what was the process like for you and what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I might look at it. I think we could look at walk-ins as, as many different processes, um, like a completely different being coming into your body. What I felt like it was for me was my true embodiment of my higher self coming into the body, um, because even the process of what was happening to me, I was having these seizures that were that actually happened because the woman gave me too much medicine. It was total medical error. But it put me into these seizures. I was con- I was awake consciously understanding that this was happening. And really, when you really think about why the body would shake, it would be to clear density and to bring in more light is the way that I look at it now. I didn't know any of that type of understanding then, but that's what I believe that those seizures were doing. Clearing out the old density of what I might call my lower self or my lower chakras, any traumas, fears. Although I feel like I've kind of always done a good job at cleaning that stuff without even knowing that was a goal in life. Um, So that I could really embody this higher version of myself as a pretty regular consciousness.
2: Well, in that sense, like Neo is doing a pretty good job as Mr. Anderson in a corporate office as a hacker and all that shit. So you were doing the work at a level. But then it seems like you got smacked upside the head a little with uh, the next phase, so to speak. Uh, did you feel like missional? And it's not it's funny because I don't remember not too it was on the walk we I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure it had small blocks like you just call like that. So
0: Just the briefly, Jim, as I'm not sure how well you're coming through, uh alicia can you understand him well right now
1: no thanks for asking it was really choppy so let's see if i can hear you again so
0: jim maybe just (laughs) reconnect i have a question for you in the meantime (laughs) just in terms of uh, background construct and so on as jim said obviously you've been doing the work in a sense as mr anderson working for dell as you explained of course i'd be curious to know what you did there and uh, how you would say this potentially may actually have prepared you for your journey afterwards in terms of, you know, the pieces you picked up or the things you were exploring or why even, you know, work for a like big computer company. That's, you know, a decision unto itself as well, especially as I can only imagine Dell would rather be of the, not so much the startup, but potentially more of the corporate type.
1: Yeah. You know, I was totally in the matrix. I was totally in a different world back then. I I hadn't thought of any of this type of stuff. Right. So for me, I was just a girl that grew up in a small town that didn't have a lot of money. And mom and dad worked like hard people, hard, hard jobs with four kids. So to me, when I kind of just moved my way up, I still dropped out of college. Like I knew I I went and I was like, that's not for me. But then I ended up in after, you know, some interesting experiences, I ended up in Austin, Texas and um, and th- the job just kind of found me. So here I was, I started through a temp agency because I didn't have the experience and I didn't have the college education. And then right when I got in, I just very easily moved my way up and started kind of in the inside sales department where people would call and like order their home PC back in the day before people ordered stuff online. This was in 05. And then, um, and then soon after I actually met my husband there who was from Florida and so am I, so that was interesting. But then it ended up by the end of my job there, I was assisting. I was kind of like the inside account manager working with outside account executives that were building data centers and storage and software as a service. Software as a service. Yes. Sorry, my phone closed Um, software service server storage. I didn't have to know all the technical stuff, but it was data center stuff, right? Supporting these data centers of law firms and large corporations and stuff like that. So I'd be the girl on the phone, like working with them to kind of set up appointments with my smart guys that were out in the field in Chicago or in New York or whoever I was working with. And I, I really thought I was living the dream at that time, you know, like, And then one day something, this was before the near death thing, but little things just started to to wake me up. So, you know, I went from this broke girl growing up to this nice corporate job. I've got the 4,000 square foot house. I've got the cars. I'm having kids. I'm living the American dream. You know what I mean? Like that's what I thought was the American dream. That's kind of what was put into me. And so I was like really kicking ass at it. But as as it kind of as other opportunities started to come to me, I started to realize like, is this is this what I want? Do I wanna work like a nine to five job every day? Like is this what it's really about? I think I need to buy all these things, so I need to have a job so I can make enough money to pay for those things and then maybe I get a vacation once or twice a year and you know, then I'll do a home renovation on my kitchen. Like that was you know what I'm saying? This was this little world that I lived in until now, where I'm like not I can't I can't even remember being that girl.
2: Well, we all go through phases. Can you guys hear me a little better now? Perfect. Yeah. Word. uh Yeah, don't I? I think something that we tend to do, and I don't, I'm not sure if it's our um, kind of, you know, achievement-oriented culture or our egos or what, but we tend to beat ourselves up for where we've been, and it's like it's all good and necessary to get us to where we are now, and the trajectories, you know, push us in different ways based off of the quantum now or whatever. Um. So don't beat yourself up too much. Uh, And in another way, it kind of, you know, seeing the American system from a high, you know, uh, successful standpoint makes you realize just how shallow it is. It's a big shell game of like competition and non-enjoyment and just kind of fakeness. I mean, not just America. I think Western systems in general tend to do this. Um, So it's interesting because, yeah, you've seen it from the inside that like achievement, like getting to the top of the ladder in a certain way or, you know, up the ladder doesn't necessarily mean happiness
1: totally i was happy fitting into when i checked the list of these boxes if this was the thing but deep down it was like mm, this isn't it and so i'm so grateful for it too because god all of our life is a school right that's really all this is is we're just going through these phases kind of picking up information you know right after that i'd started a job um another thing that kind of fell into my lap like i really feel like i've always just kind of been led without having to really make stuff happen it just kind of happens and um I started this direct sales network marketing company. I never would have thought I'd do something like this. And you know, I, I did this challenge to lose weight doing this stuff. And I started just crazy. I started making like five grand a month, 10 grand a month, 15 grand, a month, 20 grand a month. Like we were banking with this company and I ended up of course leaving my corporate job. And that's when I started to get a little free that's when I started to realize things because I wasn't so busy working all the time and like going through the motion. So, um, so here I was, I really was getting a glimpse of this, like time freedom, not working so much and still make and still bringing in abundance, bringing in money. Um, and then that's when I think I had a little more time on my hands to start thinking about things. And I started peeling away at like I don't know the programs around religion that were still somehow in my body, even though I didn't practice anything. Or culture's
2: I... one hell of a drug, you know. It, uh, as McKenna said, it's not really our friend, and it's like the imprinting process. Especially in the West, we have a few things that just get like lodged in there. Uh, whether they're ontologically true or not is a different argument, but we get patternings that, um, you know, stick. Whether we uh, you choose to drink the Kool Aid or not, ultimately.
1: Exactly. I think that's what start, what started to come to me too, is I started to be a pattern breaker. Like I started to see see the patterns and I would be like, wait a minute. And all of a sudden it was like, wait, the military, do I really agree with that? Does that really make me proud to be an American? Like I started to just question the things that were just programs before that were totally like, I was just coasting, you know, through with these programs and then you see them and you dismantle them. And that's what I started I don't know that this is probably still the competitive drive in me that i would be like oh well that was easy observe a program see a pattern become the observer clear the pattern and i didn't really learn this in any way it just kind of started coming to me and then so between
2: uh- the jobs and that kind of fact that you just mentioned in terms of your um personality or whatever do you see and then we're not don't get too jargon heavy because i don't we haven't gotten into the human designer jinky are there anything specifically in those systems that make you say ah that's why this is happening
1: you know i don't know if i have an open head and open ajna so the two two top open spaces so i do believe that those can hold more like kind of channeled inner guidance maybe even without us realizing it Um, and so maybe that was what was kind of coming in and kind of helping me go through this. I'm not sure. It just kind of started to click to me that I could see these things that were, and I, I mean, I read like the four, the four agreements for an example, like a basic book. And it just got me into like, observing myself instead of being instead of being in the bodysuit and experiencing all this emotion and turbulence i started being like well that makes sense become the observer step outside the body look down at yourself watch yourself observe it all are you taking things personal just such basic stuff right but it was like what it was teaching me was my was self mastery really
2: it's funny i don't know if you've seen the netflix show midnight gospel um, it's with Duncan Trussell, it's really funny and interesting. It's only like eight episodes, maybe like two hours altogether. Um, and it's kind of like a, a very surreal kind of psychedelic woke-ish thing. It's really funny. But the fifth episode specifically has to do with Buddhism and DMT and some guy um, talking about that. But he's talking about in that episode about like how we just – it's almost like uh, I've never played World of Warcraft. But it's like we get into our bodysuit so much and we start grinding out and just like getting so – um tunnel visioned with our our, 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 like our, in our meat dudes, you know what I mean? Like our culture, our programming, all this stuff that we don't even realize, like you're saying that we have an ability to kind of hold on loosely, you know, kind of like Yoda style, like just, you know, observe, feel with your emotions, all this kind of stuff, not just thinking things out and like acting, reacting. Um, so it's funny because I think that is a large part of the awakening process. I mean, Buddha does mean awake, you know? So I think that, uh, this doesn't surprise me. I need to do it more. I'm a double Gemini, so I need to do it more often probably, but uh, we're probably in our best modalities when we're um, kind of, it's like Wu Wei in, uh I forget what, like, uh, uh i forget the religion or whatever Daoism, Wu Wei. um where it's just like you know flow with it be water and it's like that doesn't mean you detach so much that you know you don't in your body it's not like rejecting it's not gnosticism where it's like this is a bad meat suit and i gotta escape oh my god but there's this level of um, embeddedness and kind of like participation with the culture the mental kind of constructs as well as the physical kind of routines and identifications that um most people don't realize like it's something to learn on no one can show you you know Morpheus can show you the door, you gotta walk the path kind of thing like knowing that it's a possibility is half the battle. Some people don't even know it's the thing. they're just like drink coffee, go to work nine to five, have sex, have kids, eat a burger, go America, go Dallas Cowboys you know it's like that kind of thing, we're just like oh
1: I went through all that stuff the go Dallas Cowboys part two that's so crazy,
0: and uh, just as you mentioned that in a way. One could have said that, you know, being in that job and having, you know, 4,000 square foot house, all these things sound super fancy. And then even afterwards, uh, generating that much money through direct sales or whatever. And now I assume, but you will talk more about this, of course, potentially switching again, maybe also making 10 grand a month with astrology. I don't know. Also, you don't need to tell me. But what I'd be super curious about is how uh, your parents reacted. Like to your, uh, let's say changes of direction, because what I'm especially curious about is that oftentimes it seems individuals that are not as self observant in some way, shape or form, they carry, let's say images of the or ideas of the expectations, especially of their parents and of course of their environment within them. So I could, I really don't know and you will tell me, but I could imagine that your parents might have been super happy initially when they say, Oh, you made it. You achieved all those things that maybe they would have wanted to provide to you or kind of it almost seems like that's a trajectory you were set up to do if already you were let's say uh, simply choosing to in a sense progress or evolve but then realizing let's say the um how should i say the the non-feasibility or non-happiness factor in that and changing directions again also here i'd be curious how your parents reacted or how your own relationship changed or your own expectations that you had of yourself all of these ideas
1: yeah good question it's interesting for you to ask that question because um (laughs) recently i've had these these visions of my parents almost being like these ascended masters that came here to just kind of bring me here and allow me to do my thing. It's uh, I've even asked them. I've even messaged my mom and dad and been like, "Who are you guys really? Like, who, who are you?" Because I feel like they're more than they're not even my mom and dad in the sense of their of attachment to daughters or and children and controlling and and telling them what to do. I think it's something I've always loved about my parents. They I mean, I grew up in some pretty hard times. They were always working hard. My dad used to party, like the whole thing. And then my dad kind of had an awakening spontaneously when he was about, uh, when I was in high school. And I didn't know what was happening then. I was just starting to go to church just so I could get out of the house and go, like, spend the night at a friend's house because he was, like, the strict dad or whatever. But he had this awakening that kind of happened. He totally changed from a different person to another. I could possibly even say that that was a walk-in experience for him, whether he knows it or not. I don't know. And it's interesting too. We share the same codes in human design, which is interesting because this is all based on birthday stuff, not that he's my father. So there's some interesting ties there too, but you know, they've always been like the neutral supporters. And I used to, I think, judge my dad for being kind of detached. Like he never made a big deal about birthdays and he never like, I don't know, somehow my parents stayed married the whole time too, but, Um, and still are, but because they had me when they were like 17 and 18, they were young kids. So maybe that's another reason why too, they feel like my, my brothers and sisters. But, um, so I didn't, I started breaking through programs. I'd say even when I started to go to college, I was a smart girl, first girl to go in my family. And I got there and I was like, this isn't for me. I think I just want to make money, get out on my own, do my own thing. And I just kind of followed that. So I think I got really good at disappointing <laughs> if they had any expectations, which they they weren't quite like that. Um, it was always So it wasn't like the Bond trap
2: was... family. How were they like, you gotta come to the whistle call. It seems like it was a little more lax, uh, I, I, which is ideal in a lot of ways.
1: Well, it's funny thinking of growing up. Dad was so strict on me. I, like, I couldn't do anything. I never went to like high school parties. They had me young, right? So my dad's only goal in his life was not for me to for his daughter not to be like a high school pregnant girl or something like that that was his goal don't do what i did
2: don't do what i did
1: yeah exactly exactly My he made sure that i didn't do that and so i I couldn't even like sneak out to a party to go have a drink or like you know sneak around or whatever it was it was pretty tight and um so i needed to get out on my own to be able to do my own thing so so yeah it's interesting that he was like that growing up like total dad Joe and then and then coming out of it though he's he's my homeboy like he's my dad but he's he's my equal he's never really been like i'm your father do what i say and in this lifetime in the old one you know as when i was younger yes so that's taken a lot of pressure off of me but also i just think i started to learn like okay i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that i just did it based on my programming of what i thought was the right thing but it usually did still break through some people's standards, ideas of normal, like even leaving my corporate job. That was very successful. My husband and I, at the time, we both left our, we both worked at Dell. We both left our jobs to do this direct sales thing. And, you know, and and not everybody thinks direct sales is the coolest thing in the world. Right. And I was never the person trying to sell my friends stuff, but, um, you know, there was definitely like that, that, funny feeling about it. Like I had to be cool with myself to be willing to do that. I had to really not care about what anybody else thought. So I started building that kind of fortitude up, I think, um, which has helped me in the now with the different things that have happened uh, since then, which I haven't even got to start telling you guys even half the story. It's all good.
2: (laughs) Um, So maybe uh, I don't, when I was breaking up choppy earlier, I just wanted to kind of clarify when you had the walking experience, the near death experience, as a Scorpio, which I think Marumatu, the other one, has some aspects of Scorpio. I forget her chart exactly. It seems like maybe a flavor that can happen more on that level or something. Um, was it very visceral? Was it like, uh, you know, like like you? I think you kind of addressed it, but basically it's like I was wondering, um, I mean, you got a drug overdose or wrong prescription, like your body quaking and stuff. What was the immediate thing? Did you think you were crazy or were you right away just like, oh, I'm a different person now or how did that work?
1: Um, I think it was just a natural overtime process because so in the middle of the situation, they ended up intubating me and knocking me out. And then I woke up. And from there, there was still like the what in the hell happened, right? Like as I was going under, though, I was like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to die right now. Um, you know, there's, I, I guess I'm going to go and that was it. And I didn't have any like magical light or anything like that. They were put... He's
2: <laughs> like, I guess this is it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and this is before I knew anything about totality or like, this is before I even knew anything, but I don't know. It's so interesting when I think back and and there is a connection. I don't know if you all are familiar with Wayne Dyer. He's not so much on the psychedelic side, right? But he's, he's woke. And he was kind of a first awakener for me. And what's interesting is my son was born on his birthday. So Wayne Dyer died in August on my first son's birthday. And then nine months, and then I got pregnant right after that. And the baby was born on Wayne Dyer's birthday. And I had this. So I always have felt like he's kind of a
2: super resonator. In he reality. is
1: deeply in my fractal line, you know, is the way I guess I would really look at it um
2: as far as i'm concerned he's like a motivational speaker and but for the record team rabbit holes about psychedelics just as a tool but it's not like we're like you know if you don't trip man you're not woke it's like there's plenty of ways holotropic breathing whatever um you know wayne dyer for fuck's sake so what's this shtick exactly
1: you know I would, I would have thought back then when I was listening to it and I was in my basic levels of awareness that it was just motivational stuff, but it's not that at all. It's pure consciousness. He just says it in this nice little like yes. man way. And then like as, as, as I'm awake now, I don't really listen to much of anything anymore. I just listen to myself. But if I go back and listen to something now, I'm like whoa, he's diving in the deep layers of energy and frequency and creating a reality. But I couldn't pick that up then. For those
2: ears to hear, it's there.
1: It was there the whole time, right? So he was clearly talking through my unconscious, my subconscious the whole time. But I was picking up what I could, right? So I was picking up the basics of like, there's no justified resentments and forgiveness and all that kind of stuff that you have to go through. That's a big shit.
2: I mean, that's big deal stuff. That's like Christianity (laughs) in a a nutshell in in a way.
1: Well, exactly. That's what I really had to um, to look at, and he's the one. It would be simple stuff like that. He would say, "There are no justified resentments," and that would be enough for me to be like, "Oh, well, that makes sense. Like, why? Why do I need to hold any resentments to anything? If it's just if it's just messing me up, I don't really need to play that game." So I'd be like, "Do I resent anybody for anything?" And I'd kind of go through the list, mm-hmm. let like go of those
2: hot coals that are burning you, yeah. along kind of thing.
1: And that was kind of my short, that was my work before the near-death stuff, right? It was little stuff like that and, you know, not taking things personal, right? So it was basic. It was Wayne Dyer and the Four Agreements, that kind of stuff. And um, and so, oh, the, the last thing, the only other thing. So I didn't have any conscious experiences of anything happening. I just woke up and I was like, wow, that was interesting, you know, maybe a couple tears and like, oh, do I, am I a mom? Like, did I have a kid? And then from there, I just didn't go through any emotional process. I think things just started very slow and just the transition kept happening. And then they also say too, I don't know, you guys probably don't know this, but I guess, and I didn't know this then, but when you're breastfeeding your child, it's activating your pineal gland. And so there's some kind of connection hormonally. (laughs) There's some kind of connection hormonally between nursing. Like it's way deeper. So, so think about this from a programmed perspective like most people don't nurse anymore it's just or i don't want to say most people but you know the it's c-sections not typical, but probably. not nursing The think about what c-sections is actually doing right it's actually removing that real spiritual process of grounding in soul through the body it's cutting it out mechanically it's bypassing this natural process it's like a, a body activation in a way and uh nursing is kind of i think the same thing these things are playing with the pineal gland it's activating you're bringing the hormones down so you're activating and bringing all this goodness from your from your upper body down in your body so that was a part of my awakening too right so i had the de- near death and then i've got this baby and i'm nursing and all and i'm looking at the world a little bit differently and so um so i didn't have anything official like you are a walk-in or this is a walk-in and i didn't even know of that type of concept then and then about a year and a half later, it was the solar eclipse of 2017 in August. And some great ha- American
2: eclipse,
1: the great American Eclipse. I was in
2: Switzerland during that. So I wasn't even in America, but it looked pretty ratchet.
1: It was cool. And, but again, back then I didn't understand that. Like now I understand when an eclipse is coming, some, something's going to happen within your individual self, within the collective self things happen you know noticeable normally measurable sometimes though you could say they're quantum leaps or timeline jumps without any of us really realizing it that's kind of one thing that i feel like happens but anyways at this moment so i'm going to go woman on you real quick but at this moment that the sun was coming in and we're all wearing these glasses and whatever i hadn't had a period in two years because i was nursing and pregnant as the sun came in with this eclipse i started bleeding And there was so clearly there was some kind of, there was something telling me there was a deep connection with the, with the sun and the eclipse energy and my body. And that was the first time I was like, okay, what is this? Why is this happening? Who am I? And I started to think, you know what, I think I need to talk to a psychic. That was the first time I thought about doing that because, again, this is the old religious programming. I thought horoscopes were, were cool and I was proud to be a Scorpio, but I stayed away from that stuff. I stayed away from any of... I've never touched tarot cards or you know went to a psychic or anything like that. That's when stuff started coming like, okay, you need to get connected and guided. And I ended up connecting with this woman in Austin. I didn't even use her psychic services. I just started listening to her podcast and she was just taking me... Into the quantum, I went from like n- no knowledge of this to like understanding ascension, and I'd never heard of it, but it's been going on for years. But it was like I was caught up to it very quickly, um, and then eventually, that kind of led to selling the big house, going to a smaller, more country house, simplifying life, not putting so much of a demand on working, and then the then the job I was doing the the network marketing stuff wasn't resonating because I woke up and so I didn't like the ingredients we were using. I actually didn't feel good about sharing that stuff with people and I was actually kind of willing to let it go. So the money part, money started not mattering to me at all. My identity, money, um, and eventually the dimension of time. So I would say like time and money, we're like starting the value of them and the importance in my life. It started to kind of disappear. And then eventually we just kind of randomly, but not really my husband and our three kids were like, Hey, we're going to go to Costa Rica for the summer. I'm going to take a breath.
2: I mean, this is like within the past thousand days. I just want to put in context, (laughs) like you're talking 2017. That's August. I mean, we're only in August, 2020. That's, you know what I'm saying? Like this is a lot of change happening very rapidly.
1: This is true this is true surrender and this is true ascension i would i would say because it has gone fast and it's really just because i started to realize this is just a game we're playing and it doesn't mean that you don't love the characters in it and it doesn't mean you're like heartless and bypassing it's like we're playing a game here we're creating our reality here we're remembering who we really are here and if you keep holding on to the stuff you think you need to hold on to, that your human does, you can't play the game. So it just or you at least of, play it very
2: differently, right?
1: Yeah, I guess we're all always playing the game, but I wanted to, I wanted to see the most fun outcomes happen, and my my way that might have still been tainted with just a little bit of fear or, or programming that I couldn't see or whatever, you know, I couldn't so. So that's what I mean. Like everything just started to happen rapidly because here I am now. I don't want to do this job anymore. That's been my job for about five, five or six years, which taught me so much. You know what I really learned from that job? Because I was helping people lose weight and make money to leave their jobs. Here's what I learned. Most people hate their life. They're exhausted. They're overweight. They hate their job. They might even hate their spouse. They they're not happy. That's what I learned from talking to so many people. And so it Some was like fight
2: club shit. It's like we're all just consuming and fucking coping. You know, basically.
1: That's what it was. And I was getting a glimpse of this because I get on these calls, not just with people I met. In fact, it wasn't normally me meeting on would be people on my team that were meeting people and saying, I want you to talk to Alicia and hear her story. And I want her to share with you. Because my story was a success story of, you know, I lost weight and I, and I sold these products and I left my corporate job and I had more time freedom, you know, that was, that was it. And that was the truth. And then I actually started really helping other people do it, not just like pretend dragging them along. So that's why I was making money because I, I was actually doing it, but these people would be, you know just lost. And so severely
2: so disjointed at a different level than just maybe like a couple extra pounds. I mean, that's a right. symptom of it at some level.
1: That's what I started to notice. I was like, damn, this is all emotional. This has nothing to do with physical stuff. This is like, I mean, yeah, eat right, exercise, whatever. But the thoughts, the settling, like that that's what's wrong, right? That we are, we are robotically going through these realities. Like not happy doing shit that we thought was what we're supposed to do so we're supposed to be happy with it but we're not happy and we're exhausted all the time like if you're exhausted all the time you're not in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing here because when you are aligned life force energy is flowing through you you are magic all day every day that's just how it works um there's never there's never not an overabundance of energy that could be flowing through our bodies at any given time for us to feel so free for us to feel these high frequencies blissful ecstasy states as our natural state um if we're willing to let go of all the stuff that we think is what matters but most people aren't willing I, i still notice there's a little fear around surrender sometimes
2: oh obviously i mean i think one of the things we're told in the western context is like you know you're in control of a lot of things then we feel responsibility to do it right and then we're looking at outside of ourselves instead of our inner authority and stuff like in the human design to be like what do they do so i can do it and i've got to please mom and dad or the pope or whatever the fuck and it just gets into like disempowerment and compromise at high levels to the degree where you know i mean it doesn't I mean, I'm sure some people struggle with obesity at a level where it's like genetic maybe or something like that. But most people are just like, I have a shitty job that I hate, so I'm going to grab some quick food and a coffee from Starbucks. And it's like over a long period of time, Actually, that shit wrecks you up. What's up, Rafael?
0: And there's a direct question associated because first of all, of course, thank you for obviously at least knowing some glimpse of what's up, Alicia. I whole- wholeheartedly agree with your assessment. Um, my question would be, Bashar sometimes talks about obesity And one image he provides that i think is quite fitting is it says that quite a few times when uh, people gain a lot of weight it may be that they are quote unquote afraid to be flying away spiritually so they kind of you know
2: like probably grounding themselves
0: yeah introduce more and more weight because again you know kind of they're afraid to surrender actually in a sense or afraid in some unconscious way of these higher densities let's say Would you agree with that assessment potentially, as you say that uh, you've spoken with uh, quite a few of such individuals?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. What now, what I see it as is just density, density, fear, emotion, um, trauma that's held and stored in the body. Right. And then, and then, I mean, it doesn't mean too that people that, that are not highly aware and conscious could be holding on away. And I guess even then, I mean, I think there's this, there's this rule around like, I don't know. Sometimes I would find that people would tell me I need to be grounded. For an example, and I would be like, "No, I feel like this idea of whatever grounded means sometimes in the context it might be used in is to tell me not to fly and I want to fly. I'm not afraid of flying. I'm not yeah. trying to ground myself back into I'm trying to ground the divine or the higher frequencies into my human reality into my physical body that's really what I kind of feel like we're here to do is to bring the god into the man to bring the heaven to earth and so I am grounding I'm grounding in those high frequencies and I can't do that if I don't fly up there but I do think it's density in the body so I've set, I've shared this message with so many people and I started really addressing things on an, on an emotional level too you know just that emotional connection of You know, people don't even know that they're like holding on the stuff. This is in the regular world, right? Because most of it's in the matrix. They don't know. They're not seeing this yet. These are maybe their first layers of awakening when you start to put the mind-body-emotion connection together. I think that can be a big awakener for some people.
2: Totally. I mean, it's like Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing basically. Right. Or Buddha's like ignorance is the issue. Like it's get, like, wake up. Um, it's funny. Cause what you're saying, it sounds like uh, when people say ground in a, kind of like um, in a sense uh, it's being like get in first gear and stay there. And you're like, I can go to fourth and I'm not redlining and that freaks people out. And I think that's where the disconnect kind of happens for so like um, same thing with, I think uh, psychological disorders, quote unquote, like people who are manic or bipolar or, whatever all these things it's like uh add like maybe there's some level of that as a reality but i think it's a different way of operating and being in that reality and it just doesn't fit the um standard model in a way so it kind of makes the you know the unwoke collective like kind of grit their teeth and say conform please because the borg wants you in and you're not doing that
1: Yeah. And I can understand what it felt like to be on that side. Like even looking back at like I had three C-sections with my kids and I didn't need to have a C-section with any of them. Or when I went to the doctor because I was having chest pains and she was like, oh, you're totally fine. You work at Dell. This is normal here. Everybody takes this. And she gave me Prozac and Ativan. And it was like, she didn't even ask me like how my emotions were, what my stress levels were like, what what I was doing to help with my stress or physical activity none of that holistic stuff. Right. But back then I was just trusting the doctor. I was just trusting the system. I thought they really had my best interest in mind. So I didn't question any of it. There was no skepticism. And then I started taking medicine. I was like, damn, this is good. My life is easy. I'm floating through this stuff. And then I was like, wait a minute who am I? I don't have any emotions. I'm completely cut off from my body right now. I can't even cry at like an emotional touching, like commercial that I would cry at before. Like I have no sense of, I have no sense of touch with my emotions anymore. So then I'm glad I went through these experiences because now I understand it's a part of the, the programming in a way that you can see how these things cut you off from like, from knowing yourself. Cause that's really what this game's all about is just knowing yourself. And there's many ways that we figure that out, but a lot of the tools and a lot of the doctors and a lot of the things being recommended out there are taking you away from knowing yourself. And it's not till you do know yourself that you're able to make those sovereign choices, you know, and, Yeah, for so long I trusted these systems and trusted these doctors and thought they had my best interest in mind, and then you realize they don't. And so it does help me have so much deep compassion. There's no judgment for me when I see someone there because I'm like, you just don't know till you know, and you don't know. Yeah, and you're not ready to know until you know, right? Like you can't force somebody to know.
2: That's not even our job in a way. I think some some darker or maybe weird part of the um, new age kind of whatever movement is like. Be the change and show the people the light on the way. Don't force feed people red pills. Morpheus gave him an option. He had to make free will decisions. We want to coax people into newer and higher levels of and you know improved levels of reality through volition and not coercion. I think the problem that we're kind of discussing with the system when you thought they had their best uh they had their intentions and programs in mind, and not so much yours. So like, yeah, of course your heart's getting ripped in pieces. Um, and you're, you know, having cognitive dissonance and like, here's some drugs to make that symptom go away. So you can perform better for our agenda essentially, which is, I mean, at worst, very, very nefarious, at least very ignorant and kind of like, you know, inherited kind of whatever. Um, quick question. What was, what do you think was happening with Dell people in their hearts? What the fuck's up with that?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know that everything was heart problems there as much as mine. Just my chest pain just happened to be an indication of of stress. So that was just that we were everybody's stressed out and we were it was before working from home days and, you know, more flexibility in the jobs and, you know, you're overworked and you're stressed out and all that matters is the job. And, um, I mean, it was that, right. It's just not being aligned and no wonder why, like back then I was really in a happy hours. I couldn't wait for five o'clock to just take a few shots. I couldn't wait to, for Friday night and Saturday and Sunday to watch football and drink beer and totally zone out from my life. Basically, even though I felt like a happy person, like by no means did I, was I miserable or anything like that? It was, but it's interesting to think, um, Yeah. You can just be out of touch without realizing you're out of touch. And then the medicine is a tricky thing, right? Because you, it makes you, it relieves the stress, but you aren't doing any work about it. You know, you're just numbing yourself through the same process. Your body's still going through it. You just don't realize it. So the chemical stuff is just, it's interesting to look back on it now because other day i was talking with a friend and she was like gosh i don't know what it is this girl just jacked me up like she's got me all upset and da 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 and she's like what am i really supposed to be seeing here and i was like the first thing we've got to realize is we're really just here to play this chemical game in the body we're here to become masters of the chemicals of our body and if we really can tune in and start to become aware of it you can see how when you even think of a certain person chemicals release in the body you think of a certain memory Those are chemicals that bring you those feelings. And so you start to get in tune with that kind of stuff, right? The doctors aren't teaching you that, but this is how we really, we don't need medicine for this stuff necessarily. This is getting in tune with this intelligent system that's always communicating with us and kind of teaching us how to step out of turbulence. The turbulence is to tell us we need to check some, check the engine light, you know?
2: And we have a culture that basically both culturally and chemically Allows for bypassing, quite frankly. So, um, it is what it is. I think, in a brashard sense, we permitted ourselves to do this. You know, we've we've signed up for this, and then, uh, I mean, it's funny because I I don't know how it's said exactly. Raphael said it before, um, where it's like Earth School is very different and maybe more hardcore than a lot of other schools. So it's like we've forgotten everything, and the stakes are really high, and the systems you know you got to wake up like you got to swim upstream kind of thing. So it's like it's it's a tricky uh show uh that we were all on the stage of here in um the west especially but also in earth in general um so what was the process you just went on a vacation to costa rica and then you just said hell yeah we're gonna stay here or how'd that go
1: yeah, I was actually, I was avoiding a big leadership, uh, conference that I needed to do for the network marketing company that I was in. And I was like, God, I don't even want to be a part of this anymore. So how can I get out of it? And I was like, let's go to another country for two months. So we went for the summer. We we're like, oh, we're just going to go on a vacation and our kids will learn Spanish here and. It's funny to think back then people thought we were so crazy that we were going to do that. It's really funny because things just got more crazy. We'd even created an Instagram called my last name's Hall. So it was called Hall's Gone Wild. And like that wasn't even the wildest of it because once we got here, that's when all the wild shit started to really happen. So yeah, I would say like within one to two weeks we had landed in this community. We felt really safe about it. Well, first I'd actually went to receive my Reiki master teacher certification, which I never ended up using. I learned about reiki i was interested I, it's part of the awakening process this can happen just like sometimes in the awakening we think we need to share with others or convert others that's a common piece of awakening that some of us go through and then this last part was like oh reiki that sounds that sounds right i'm interested in that and i and i'm not saying that it doesn't work by any means i just i really felt like it was a more of a school to educate me a little more in education but i kind of felt like it was in a, a tradition And no disrespect to two traditional systems but i was like I think I'm doing energy work without even really – I don't have to make symbols. I don't I'm have a to make self-initiate. Signs.
2: I don't need yeah. to go through the academy. What's going on here?
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I started to figure out. But, but it was still cool to go through. So uh, we got here, go to the Reiki master teacher thing. And I, this is what I know now. When so that's co- what led
2: you to that valley, that particular area? It was like the Reiki person's here. Let's go on a vacay.
1: No, we decided to go to Costa Rica first and then I was like, well, you know what, I've done my Reiki one and two, let me see, it'd just be cool to get my master here. And I found a lady up in the mountains in Monteverde. So that's where we went first. Then I just kept looking up places. I wasn't looking specifically for an intentional community. I wasn't looking for um, anything too specific. I was just looking for a house we could stay in for about a month. And so I started looking online. And that's how I found this neighborhood, which is really a community, not so much an Airbnb normal, normally thing. And uh, as I was reading about it, again, I didn't realize the significance of it at the time, but it was like, you know, on a crystal quartz mountain with a river and yoga deck and saltwater pool. And it was just like, it was the life, right? So I was like, well, I want to stay here for a month. It sounds beautiful. So that's how we kind of ended up in the community and um right away it felt safe you know it felt like dang we could we could live here we could um we could do this because i think a lot of people before they come to a foreign country especially with kids they're thinking about safety you know stuff for the kids education like all the stuff and so we felt like we had all of all of that there and if i mean and talk about culture right like i really thought there was only america before i came i mean i'd been to mexico and i understand there's other cultures out there but until you get out into the world you don't really understand you don't really know you don't really get to connect with these other cultures so there's you know maybe 40 houses and maybe uh 30 different countries represented inside and so and actually if anybody watches netflix the Zach efron episode uh is the third episode's costa rica and it's my kids school and it's the neighborhood so you can i'm sure a lot of people have probably watched it it's a really interesting show what show um, is that i don't know what you're talking about um it, it's called down to earth it just came out and it's just a series that zach efron did where he traveled around to all these different places and he's kind of showing like eco living and permaculture and different different things that are i think pretty awakening i don't watch tv though so um, no, I want to step go watch... in the
2: direction. I mean, if you're going to show people stuff, this is the kid from high school musical.
1: Yes.
2: Okay. Word. I mean, Hey, it takes all kinds.
1: It does. So he's really bringing awareness. Like so many people are coming and looking in this area now. And um, so, but that'll give, give anybody that's interested a glimpse of really seeing the neighborhood and seeing the school. And, and I want more people to look because I've learned what I, what I uh, enjoyed about that community and then also what I didn't. And it's kind of given me ideas of like, huh, I'm not the person that would like manage the whole thing, but I kind of do feel like at some point, more people will want to come here and they will want to be a part of something that maybe is brewing inside of me or brewing inside of this country that's bringing people here. Cause I've watched it happen. I'm watching the patterns of the people that come and when they come and why they come and what happens to them when they get here, because I really do feel like there's a activation in this land is what I like to call it. Um, there's something significant that happens to anybody that comes here. And it's not, not necessarily on the map as like one of the chakras of the earth or, or anything like that, although we're near Titicaca, which is the sacral chakra. So I would say that we carry a lot of the sacral energy if we look at things that way. But, um, yeah, it's, so here I was here, I come to this community and I really don't even know how I got there. And so, um, we decide within two weeks we're going to sell everything in Texas and we're going to move here and just rent for now. And, um, and then that's when everything went a little crazy. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to take a breath.
2: That's cool. Uh, maybe it's a good time to kind of take a music break if you wanted to kind of, you know, recalibrate. It's funny because, um, yeah, you, it sounds like the process of surrender isn't a one stop chop it's like it's a continual surrendering and layering of the onion and you know when you get to the it's plateaus you get up to the top and legend is another step and it's like it's a constant um evolutionary process um i'm kind of curious as to uh what the quality of uh quartz mountain or whatever you're saying is like how that feels and stuff
1: yeah um well, it it felt magical from the minute I got here. There's something different about Costa Rica in general. The land is so preserved. It's mountains. It's jungle. It's green. You know, I have toucans flying in front of me. Monkeys in the, in my backyard. I'm back to this magical quartz river. We go down to the river and we can pull out crystal quartz and sometimes amethyst. My daughter gonna always find the amethyst. It's like she has X-ray vision for it. Or she, honestly, she's I feel an
2: amethyst like... douser
1: she is and i think she honestly is just in such a different dimension that she sees she sees things that don't even exist in my dimension you know um she's nine but she's she's deep um so yeah that right away there was an energy here that i never wanted to leave and costa rica hasn't had a military since the 40s there's just something about it here and it's ocean i'm surrounded by oceans rivers, animals, preserved wildlife, so many trees, so much green. It's, it is heaven on earth. Like I think there's pictures out there that are like heaven on earth and this is it for me. And, but I also think it's like creates, it holds, carries the image of heaven on earth, the rainbows, the, the butterflies, all of it. it's just magical. So I'm not so sensitive to stones and things like that though, I would say. So I don't necessarily feel like I don't feel things in the same way people feel. And I just know, I just know I'm supposed to be here. I know I'm supposed to bring high frequency into my body here. Um, you know, that's it. So, but there that are some sense. people that come and they're knocked out by this energy. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's like, Oh shit. Uh, I've had a bunch, like we said, a few people we know and some friends, um, outside of the podcast, Actually, Corey's been on the podcast. We've gone down to Costa Rica. I've lived in Honolulu and Hawaii for a few years. I've been to Switzerland and Ecuador and random places. So I've seen some, quote, beautiful picturesque places. And Costa Rica does look like it has um, a quality of that heaven on earth kind of situation. Um, Let's go ahead and play a quick song. And uh, we can come back and kind of talk about the, you know, it maybe looked, it was situated and good at first, but I know that the tumult and changes kept coming, right? So... Um, this is a Stereolab song called "Eye of the Volcano," which I thought was maybe appropriate because I think you're around volcanoes. And here we are once again. I thought those lyrics were rather poignant, considering what we were just talking about. It's talking about like uh, fascism winning because like we turn our bodies into machines and they've hijacked reality and all this kind of stuff. So on uh, the hypocrisy of our time, freedom. Like we're saying, you know, like God bless America and the wars and stuff. It's like that's not freedom, y'all. Um, anyway. Uh, where we're kind of getting it to where maybe the gears shifted for your picturesque holiday or whatever in Costa Rica kind of take us down that rabbit hole,
1: yeah, that was a perfect song. I loved it. I actually what she say prophecy of our time so in love with freedom and that's the thing the freedom the definition of freedom changed right like i thought it was the other thing but now i'm living true freedom like true liberation true freedom like there are no rules like i am my sovereign self and i i am i go where i am led and where i'm guided based on energy and like that's to me what i feel like is freedom like no fears about what anybody thinks and i had to bust through all that so that's what happened when i got here was the ego death Because, um, I would say about a month after we got here, I, um, we meet this guy, he's a energy healer and he's a massage therapist, a Thai massage therapist. And he came over and gave DH, my husband at the time, a massage and my mom who was visiting from Florida and then me and something happened when I saw this man and physically I would never have put. Like this is, first of all, to, to give you an idea of what my marriage was like, that was the perfect part. I've been with them for 14 years. Like we'd mastered relationships together. There was nothing like, there were no fights or arguments or wounded child type of stuff. So we, we were kind of like the dream couple, I would say. I don't want to say that like that, but we were an inspiring couple, I would say in the regular world. Doing it right. So when I got here, (laughs) Exactly. Living the American, it's the American dream program is what I was calling it. And so, um, but not faking it like truly beautiful. So we meet this man and I remember getting ready for my massage and it's not like any other massage. I'm sitting in front of him, you know, Indian style. And he looks like some kind of Buddha and he, um, and I had this frankincense diffusing and something happened when we looked at each other's eyes but it wasn't like oh i'm so attracted to this guy it wasn't something like that it was something like i couldn't control whatever was happening i couldn't describe what was happening it wasn't so much a sexual thing it was something way deeper and um at the time i didn't know of these stories or concepts of like twins and um, twin souls and twin flames, like i hadn't heard of that stuff yet because i again it just all the awakening part of those types of stories unfolding happened once I got here. i'd never heard of a lady until I got here i'd never heard of so many of these different things until I got here, and then that 's when this other stuff started unfolding um so anyways, something happened that day, and i didn 't know what it was. it was just a feeling, and then um that's more
2: than a feeling.
1: Exactly. Boston with the ship on the cover. Um, exactly. So it was more than a feeling. It was something ancient, I would say. And so, you know, I just kept sitting with that for a while. Like, where is this coming from? Why is this coming up? And the way I was looking at it was what is there inside of me that needs to heal that thinks I need to look for something in a man outside of myself? Like this was the kind of stuff I was playing with to try to control it. Because you can sometimes this like, so you thought it
2: was like a faulty part of your system and you needed to hack it as opposed to maybe an upgrade itself.
1: Exactly. Because it didn't fit the mold. It didn't, I wasn't ready to surrender to this part of the story. I'd surrendered to all the rest, but this was like, I couldn't break apart this whole thing that I just affected. Right. Like, um, and so Yeah. And this is what started to teach me that the feeling is the knowing, you know, and to trust the knowing and to trust the feeling. But um, so it was over the course of I started Googling things like, you know, having feelings for someone you've never had before, like you've known them forever, that kind of stuff. And that's when twin flame stuff came up. And I was like okay, that seems a little dramatic for me. Just to be really honest, I'd read some of the stories and I was like, I don't even play like that in my current relationship. Like, I'm not really looking. I don't have any lessons to learn in another relationship. Like, why is this coming up for me? What is this? Whenever then, I read
2: Twin Flame, because I'm in a Twin Flame relationship now, ironically, with my fiance, and I, same thing, I was not on board. I didn't even care about it. In fact, I was kind of a negative slash pessimistic. I was like, this seems like hyper-romantic Stockholm syndrome. Like all the stories i hear seem like you know unrequited love gone wrong and then people are just like saying but they'll come back they're runners and all this kind of stuff i'm just like what this is like unhealthy weird spiritual toxicity (laughs) but when you start having it happen it's like like you're saying it's like i mean i'm having kundalini activations and all sorts of weird shit. i'm like who is this person so i understand what you mean totally where it's just like signing up for something you never thought you It, it defies logic and it defies maybe even um expectation in a sense like this isn't like hyper romance like ken and barbie going off in the sunset necessarily uh hopefully it works out you know ultimately but the point is like i think not well I, not to interrupt you like do you think everybody has a twin do you think this is only some people do this how do, how do you even feel about that uh not to go off on too much of a rabbit hole but just quick caveat
1: no that's a good question i don't know how i feel about that because you know what i really think the twin idea really is is getting to a point in your consciousness where you understand that you're the creator of it all and that you're creating reflections and so eventually you get to the point where you stop creating toxic reflections And you create reflections of pure love because you're so you're in love with your, you know, who you are, you understand yourself, you love yourself. So you're not attracting a partner because we're just here learning and playing through relationships. You're not attracting a partner that needs to run and chase or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like you're solid inside and you attract something that's also solid inside is and so I think that's available to anybody that wants to play in that consciousness but there's a lot of old emotion and attachment kind of what I was talking about earlier letting go of the resentment and the forgiveness and the and the trauma and I'm and I don't want to ever disrespect you know anybody's stories of what's happened to them in the past but if we hold on to them we can't play in these games if we hold on to those stories and we're still identified by what's happened to us in our past, we can't really play in creating the new because we still are identified with this old version of ourselves. And so, yeah, I think it's available to anyone and it doesn't necessarily have to even be called a twin, but that's just one way of calling it where we bring in that match because we've kind of, well, we've solidified ourself inside. And so I think I was doing that without really realizing it. I was, balancing the masculine and the feminine i do think that has something to do with it kind of just becoming more aware of the energetics of yourself and and just becoming a master of your emotions and your body and the chemicals and all of that stuff but i didn't realize that this kind of stuff could happen you know and then i look at it and i'm like you know what astrologically i have five planets score all scorpio in my in my ninth house and it's all about now that i know about astrology i didn't really know it then it all just kind of happened and then i realized how congruent it was but you know the ninth house is about foreign travel my venus is there my mercury venus sun jupiter i can't remember what else like they're all there and so even finding foreign love is in my ninth house and it's in that And, and then the death and the rebirth that i have in my in my libra in my eighth house you know my saturn that's a ratchet (laughs)
2: i'm like oh shit you're gonna (laughs) transform pretty heavily in relationships and abroad it seems
1: yeah exactly so that's so now looking back i'm like wow this is i i really just came into alignment with my chart you know it was like i started to realize this the chart was telling the story and i kind of look at astrology and gene keys and all of that as our karma right like it's the decisions of what we wanted to be before we got here that were kind of tied to in a way, but we eventually master that blueprint and then we transcend that and we're just creating, you know, creating and co-creating and kind of, we're not cursed or limited by a chart, especially in human design. Sometimes I feel like, um, there can be some attachment to like, oh, well, I've got this open and I don't have this. And so I, this is wrong with me. (laughs) Exactly. Like that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't play it like that because why, why would I do myself? Right. So um, but so that's what really started br- bringing me into astrology, gene keys and human design because I was so like, Googling wow, twin it's flames really... led
2: to <laughs> charts basically <laughs> all, all
1: of it. Well, what happened, Googling twin flames, first of all, led me to those stories. And I was like, no, then it led me through love bite stories. And it was talking about reptilians and, and tricking
2: like vampiric kind of like energetic harnessing.
1: Yeah. So. When I found that, I was like, is that what this shit is? What's happening to me? Because I couldn't understand why I could, couldn't could control this raging feeling that was coming up in my body, right? So then I was like, is he messing with me? Like, what is this? And I'd never even heard of a reptilian before, right? But it put me in this little paranoia. And so like, I had to go through all these stages because it kind of introduced me to that dimension of reality where people think in these, in these fearful ways. I'm not saying it like this is a, it's just a dimension of reality where we look at things where there's, there's an opposite of us or something to fear. Like, I don't see anything as outside of us. But at that moment, I was looking at that story, like, could this be it? And then eventually I had a spontaneous Kundalini awakening. And um, that's exactly, it's totally tied to it. So I didn't know what that was, right? I'd never heard of that. So what I, what I enjoy about my story is that I think sometimes now people are really caught up in this twin flame story and they are chasing it or they well, like
2: pursue it yeah, you know, like, a, it up. like an ideal and yeah, it's like yeah. uh i don't know if I've, you know just like not everybody's signed up to be a psychonaut like with psychedelics and not everybody's signed up to be i don't know religious or something like that you know it's like not everybody's maybe signed up it's an option on the table but i don't know if everybody's permission slips are like geared to that um and it's it's just funny because it goes to show that even with within spiritually waking up and stuff like that doesn't mean like the polarity and the fear and the projection still exists even at levels there. I mean, Raphael's always giving me stuff. I mean, my fiancé is an orange negative. I think Raphael is. Um, so the whole like reptilians equal bad necessarily thing um, turns into an, like a drama, a story on another level. You know, instead of being like Democrats and Republicans, it's like Pleiadians and reptilians. And it's, like, it just it perpetuates uh, different kinds of fracturing and it's like it's all one big trip. Um, and we all chose different things to experience because that's how stories get told. We're telling a big story with each other.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's so fun when you really start to realize that and you don't take anything serious anymore. And, you know, I laugh looking back at that and I mean, that was such a small glimpse of my life because I would say right after that, I felt like I would pretty much learned well i think i honestly part of the mutation if i were to say that there is such a thing as a mutation is that we transcend the adrenals and fear in the body and those fear chemicals being released and i think there's something there i I don't know the scientific behind it but i started to observe myself not having fear in pretty much any situation even little stuff right like I don't know we're in our house in the jungle in the middle of the night and there's this loud noise and animals fighting and my whole family's like freaked out their hearts beating and racing and they're like oh my god what is that and what i know this
2: who knows so like okay. i don't yeah, yeah, know like but gorillas? there's all kinds of
1: no, but if you've heard a howler monkey, they're so, they're actually, oh, they yeah. can be kind of barbaric. They sound Sasquatchy, you know, th- echoing through the forest. But I observed myself that my nervous system wasn't really reacting to things. It wasn't getting overly done. I wasn't, it wasn't pulsing with that fear stuff or that adrenaline stuff anymore. And I feel That'll like. Add I like an
2: element of mushroom trips in that valley or ayahuasca or anything. It's like, oh my God, there's howler monkeys.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I, I'm sure that that would bring in some, I mean, it's so deep and they can come at any time. So in the middle of the night or five in the morning or whatever, but their sound is so intense. It really is Sasquatch in the forest. So, um, so the Kundalini thing happened. And, um, I literally started Googling, like feels like an orgasm for two weeks and Kundalini came up. Cause that's what I was, I was feeling this or constant all day, every day not initiated by anything orgasmic energy going through my body that didn't stop and so i started googling well what is this so first the twin flame thing then the kundalini thing uh then i'd met a woman in my neighborhood and she actually wanted to look at my daughter's chart because she felt like she wasn't from this world is what she, and so um she said hey come on over i'll look at her stuff and then that's how i got into human design she pulled my chart for me um looking back, I paid like 300 bucks for a session for an hour. And I realized she pulled the chart online for free. So right when I realized that, I mean, not that the session wasn't nice, it was so helpful, but I realized I I went home after that and I just started cracking the code on this stuff. And then that's how it led me to the gene keys. And what was interesting about the gene keys is one of these, first of all, I found out that the guy that um, Eduardo is his name uh was was uh who barely spoke english at the time and even now we just kind of have our limited own language spanglish but uh we've been together a little over a year now but anyways he and i shared the same main four codes so our sun and earth our unconscious and our conscious design if you're looking at human design or your activation sequence the main four codes that are on the outer edge or your golden path, our numbers were the same, but, but reversed each other. So they were mirroring each other like a true mirror, like a, like a twin, like the concept of a twin. And so that was a little interesting to me. Like that felt like a sign, but I was, I was still going through a big death at this point. Like I couldn't make this decision, even though I knew I was feeling these deep feelings, a lot of, a lot more synchronicities had to happen before I was able to really leave it all behind because i i did leave it all behind but um, that old life but the gene keys came in and i looked up this one specific code that was in this one specific sphere the 29 in my radiant sphere and the radiant sphere is about what keeps you healthy and it was talking about um, saying yes to the things that come to you in your life and listening to your body and listening to your feelings and trusting and then it talks about, um, and each of the gene keys, you know, has a shadow, a gift and acidic frequency. So there's a variation of frequency between every code. So I was studying this, but what was interesting is in the gift frequency, it said something like, and this is where it started feeling like a twilight zone or something. It said, if you find yourself feeling attraction to another person at the end of a seven year cycle, it's either going to be time to, uh, work on your current relationship and improving it, or it's going to be an an extend that, or it's going to be time to start something new for the evolution of your soul or something like that. And so here I was at the, at 14 years with my husband. so two seven year cycles, and I was having an attraction for another man who also had the same code as me. And I'm like, okay, this is a little crazy. I don't think I would have ever gone down this path or believed in this stuff as deeply um, if it didn't happen like that, you know, where I was like, wow, there's some synchronistic shit, happening." Shit lines between-
2: up. Well, I mean, it seems like it's not just so much like, a, um, like you're saying, it's not just like a compulsion to have a better life in a way. It, it seemed like a uh, karmic relationship presenting and prepared you and got you to the place you need to be for this to, I mean, happen, obviously at some level. Fascinating, and also what you were kind of saying about the adrenals earlier in development—that's one of the gene key points. And I'm not sure about human design because I haven't gotten into it, but they're kind of like yin and yang to each other. Human design being a little more masculine, logical, and gene keys being a little more feminine and kind of uh, dr- dreamy. I don't even know how to put it, but um uh, it's about our genes, our DNA, like uh, evolving, like as a species. And so this does have quite a bit to do with evolution. Um, It's funny because it's taking all the the magic of woo, uh, because I tend to be very new age and open to like, you know, yes, we're in a dream and all this kind of stuff. It's like there's still mechanics going on. There's still program, you know, like algorithms and programs and dynamics that have um, causality and logic. And, you know, it's not just like, you know, oh, there's a pink dinosaur. Now I'm a crystal shard and now I'm a rainbow. And it's not quite like that. It's not that loose. Uh, There's, you know, confines to it and stuff. I didn't mean to cut you off though.
1: No, it's beautiful. I think we're all kind of, and depending on how we're coded, we look at it all differently. We all have different perspectives into the game. Some of us require because of our design, a little more logic. Some of us are a little more um, abstract in our process or understanding. And that's why I like putting these two systems together because it is right. The human designs more mechanic and structure. And, um, but I also feel like can be a little limited at times. And then the the gene keys bring in the energetic flow, they bring in that true. Well, with there are no limits when you're playing with the energy structure. There can be limit, um, depending on how you're how you're looking at structure. But we're kind of playing with matter, and we're playing with the energy that fills the matter. So that's where I started to really shift my perspective into energy, frequency, frequency creating reality, started, you know, looking at everything outside, going inside, playing inside, kind of assigning, you know, frequency to emotions, feelings, behaviors, and things like that, just seeing patterns. And then, I mean, even now, I'd say I pretty much feel and see everything on more of an energetic level, any person I meet or feel, I should say, any person I feel, because now we're reading auric fields, you know, without really realizing it. It's like, we're reading the energy of people. I can kind of understand their, their love and their, their percentage of love and fear maybe, their masculine and feminine, their wounds and trauma, like I can feel the energy of what they still carry or what they don't. I used to think it was judgment, but now I understand it's actually a part of the mutation. It's a part of the solar plexus shift, and it's, we're sh- we've got to shift out of the logical mind in order to really embody this type of knowing and understanding and to deeply trust it. And so what I'm feeling like now, you know, with Human Design, they kind of talk about this 2027 being the year. But what I'm thinking is it's happening right now, kind of like a, a quantum leap or a timeline jump. I mean, it's exactly seven years from 2000. 20- 27, I started feeling like at the beginning of this year, this mutation was happening heavily, at least amongst individuals There were starting the astrology to bring
2: it. for the fucking Jupiter, Capricorn, uh, Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn conjunction. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> that t- going t- on right now, you know? So it's just like, holy tits. I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, um, seven-year cycles. And we've had some people um, who are into jinkies and stuff, and they've been saying, yeah, we're going from the Ajna to the solar plexus. This is the next evolution in our species awareness patterning and to just kind of enjoy the ride but it doesn't mean you know it's like there's going to be some turbulence um and i guess another seven years kind of uh, but keep going with what you're saying about quantum shifting
1: yeah well i just feel like the more What I was feeling at the beginning of this year is I started really getting into the codes and and every week there's a different code that's kind of under the sun or in transit, right? So I started playing with that a little more and following it back to the I Ching, which is really what created all of this. All of these codes come first and foremost from the I Ching and then I feel like I feel like the I Ching was coded specifically for certain masters that were able to understand the stuff and decode it, but it wasn't meant for everybody to understand because it's it can still be a little more complex. And then you bring it in a human design and it was like another layer to kind of bring in a new awakening or a new audience of people that comprehended things from the logical and then the gene keys is like an exp- you know an expansion of that so we're bringing in these new languages that's bringing us into the awareness of this information that's kind of always been running behind the scenes these codes have been running around this wheel every single year since we've since we can understand thousands of years ago according to this right and, and who knows right I'm never so certain about any one thing, but this is the way that I, that I started to look at it. So I started to follow the codes and at the beginning of the year, I started to see, okay. First of all, I was about to go to a big music festival here in Costa Rica called Envision, which you guys would love, love, love and anybody listening would love. Um, But I felt like at that time I was kind of getting a vision of the mutation starts now it starts with all of these people that are right here on this land, that are right next to this ocean, that are like hearts wide open, that are like so waking up right now. And it's like the, Rainbow
2: Warrior prophecy stuff.
1: It was. I was feeling it happen and that's when I was I was feeling that whole music festivals, God merging with, with man, with the quantum, like just this trinitized I don't know, combination, mutation of energies that was getting kicked off right now, as we were there, like a history being made. And then the COVID thing happened. And some, a lot of those people ended up getting stuck here, which is not by surprise, right? Because, you know, the way One I see it- One of our friends
2: it, who's been on the podcast, Sam, uh, Samuel Barnes, he's stuck there, I think. Uh, I don't well, know if stuck is a strong word, but he's there. Well, still. exactly.
1: It's the best place to be anyways. Like, That's who, what he's who, saying exactly it is so exactly stuck might not be the word but you start to really understand the dynamics of people as frequency holders moving to different places anchoring frequencies awareness consciousness auric fields energy in certain places and then bringing it to other places and the strategic pieces of all of that like i've really started to notice patterns of how i might get on a call and connect with someone and there's almost a person on every continent like what are we really doing we're not just talking we um we are anchoring frequencies and bringing my consciousness to your conscious we're merging our consciousness and we're activating fields right we're activating locations is kind of how i've started to see it and so these codes that's the deeper awareness that i started getting into with gene keys in human design like i can't tell you everything about the gene keys in human design in the way that the person just getting started might, okay, start with this activation sequence and follow it here. I think there's a quantum language to this too, where you come to it and you, you digest this stuff in a different way. And you start really seeing code, understanding code. It puts context to why people meet and how they come together. You start to see patterns. So that's the part I'm really interested in is that as I start to observe that three people could call me in one day that I haven't talked to in years and why'd they call me, right? Who knows, each one of them had a bad day and they thought they'd call their one friend, right? Like I don't do any kind of coaching work necessarily. These are just friends. And that I would say, hey, could I pull your your gene keys chart? And that two, two or three of them, they had the same main four codes and they all called me on that day. And so you start to see these interesting patterns of what these codes, the, the energy lines behind the numbers you know, behind why people might be attracted to each other or come together with each other, You start to see these fractals come together through the info. So, so, you know, at first the information that came through about the relationship stuff made me really solid in the info. I'd, I'd wake up every night after I put kids to bed and just consume this stuff for three to four hours a night. And
2: that was always- shit, it's like, I'm going to eat it all. <laughs>
1: well especially with my, my house you know exactly it's like
2: spirituality like truth so
1: and five five planets there all i wanted to do is go deep and that's all i've been doing ever since like my days look like me sitting on the ground with books all around me drawing code on rings and dna and amino acids and physiology and i've never been in a science and biology stuff necessarily but see the codes are connecting the spirituality with the physical because each code has a, is connected to physiology and an amino acid structure. So there's something, and, and I don't know all the answers to exactly how that works. I kind of feel like I'm ready almost to talk to someone that's more into the quantum biology stuff and be like, hey, this is what I know from my perspective because I don't think so, so scientific. Like, how can we put this together? Because there's also a connection with the codon rings. There's 22 codon rings. They're connected to the 22 major arcanas. I don't. Yeah. So I don't know. And and so I didn't know this stuff right before. But when I put that together and I started really thinking in code on rings, which is patterns of codes together that create chemical formations, um, I started I stopped looking at this stuff ever as like my individual codes and studying about myself because I'd kind of already done that stuff. So now I was looking at it from collective perspective perspectives how codes come together be doing energetically or chemically when codes come together on calls like this or in person or or on the same land you know like while we were in in Envision or something like that so i started to see those types of patterns and um so there's something with the tarot and i didn't know that i guess the 22 major arcana hold this like the this esoteric the the mysteries that couldn't be written so that people couldn't find the deep mysteries of the of course this is all making me excited because this is my scorpio philosophy stuff and i'm like esoteric secrets and knowledge and like what are the hidden secrets you know and so now i'm seeing that the tarot is connected to the gene keys too it's all connected right and so how far down the rabbit hole do you really want to go but yeah, that's I'm what I've been playing pills, with.
2: Let's put it that way. I'm, I'm all about it. So it's like, it's funny because I hadn't heard the code on ring thing, but now that you said it, no, duh, Jim, 22 code on rings, 22 major arcana. Um, and it's funny because what you're, you do it like a lot like me. I have a feeling we're more similar than not because you said a few words as I was thinking them. I, I'm i not saying we're like psychically connected, but it's like we'll probably have a lot more resonance than I would think. Um, And you're approaching it. I mean, I'm a double Gemini, right? Like a uh, 11th house double Gemini. So it's like a student of life curiosity kind of, being the thing that's leading you you know you smell the bread you know if you walk i mean i don't know if you've been to like a europe or anything but they've got these um things in france called uh fromageries which are like cheese shops and it's like you can smell that shit a few blocks away it's pretty gross um i mean i used to love cheese i'm vegan now but the point is like it does it smells like you know blue cheese basically like rank um but you start sniffing out and you can figure it out and you follow your nose i think you're doing that with a lot of this stuff and i have no qualms particularly against um i mean for a long time people have been going to like the conservatory and learning the scales and stuff and it's like we're jazz musicians with this it's like we we, we're hearing it by ear and we hear the tune and we're gifted enough with the whatever we've got in our charts and stuff to be able to kind of grok it quickly and then adapt and play so i don't think i mean on the one hand we should respect where it comes from in a way but we're not beholden to it if that makes sense i think that's where real genius lies and that's why movements shift you know zeitgeist and like old guard new guard kind of stuff i think there's a whole new guard coming in it takes a little time and there's transitional phases kind of like you were saying this lady charged me 300 bucks for shit like i could have gotten for free i'm kind of at a point like i'm charging for readings and stuff and i didn't really want to do that and i still don't want to do it for much it's still very very reasonable um but even that whole economic you know reality where it's like we're going from a place of like everyone crush skulls and make as much money. And yeah, like you were doing before, um, to like, hey, what do I really need versus how can I be of service and how did this com- come together at some point for my vision of, of career or, you know, offering or however you want to put that. I'm kind of rambling. I tend to do that. But no, bottom line, it sounds like, um, you know, you're turning on to the mystery in a very particular way, which I myself appreciate where it's like, you know, I, I don't, I mean, imagine like the locals, of uh, you know, somebody five, 10 miles away from that Envision festival hearing the sounds wafting, right? Or they're like, what's that? And it's like, maybe they're not, you know, concert promoters or the headlining band, but like they get in on an energetic level from the outside in. And I think that's, you know, self-initiation a big deal. I think that's kind of, we've had Freemasons on Master Masons and all these kind of cool heady people. And I'm not, sliding any of them but it seems like a lot of people that are in the team rabbit hole wave and just a lot of people in the zeitgeist now who are choosing to are self-initiating essentially uh, and we're kind of all doing it together in another way too in a quantum way but i totally hear and resonate with what you're saying in terms of the fractal kind of starting in a place and it's, it's weaving out and the dream is kind of increasing and we're all holding different codes in different places and yeah it's like a network we're building networks of consciousness uh, not that it was bad before but it's upgrading and that takes I guess as long as short as we would like. Um Rafael, you've been kinda of quiet, so I'm kind of curious as to what we're talking about, like any kind of uh two cents you could throw our way or what's resonating with you or not, um, etc. Well as always, Jim,
0: I'd ask you to be quite Articulate. slightly more specific uh, yeah. in your question.
2: Um it sounds like she I don't know if she's into Bashar. Rafael kind of turned me on to Bashar and Star Seeds, Daryl Anka channels an entity named Bashar. Um, and we're getting like, that's why we're pulling galactic characters cards. It sounds like we're really at the beginning of the dawning of the age of Aquarius in a very kind of a fun way. Um, I didn't know if, uh, you know, whether 2027 means something to Bashar or um, how you're looking at, you know, collectives, maybe in places like Costa Rica being the change and then it flooding from out there as opposed to like running around and being truthers and telling people they're all sheeple or, you know, that kind of stuff. Well,
0: as I may have mentioned, 2027, in Bashar's terminology, is called the contact fulcrum, where supposedly you know, another great, uh, let's say, track line decision is being made in that year. However, of course, we know by now everything is here and now anyways. And in terms of who, uh, quote unquote, gets stuck where, it's all a matter of resonance. I'm not, you know, I trusted everyone, no matter where they are in this now, are in the perfect place at the perfect time and just before of course on okie talk we have many shows in german and just in the show before with all the turbulence and so on uh, we had a comment of a woman that said well she had been traveling the world and now she's back in germany and really feels that this is you know her place uh to be acting and doing and being active or whatever or informing individuals um so i can just say you know there's no accidents and uh, everyone synchronistically is what they're supposed to be and as uh, alicia shared if you're like in alignment uh, with yourself but anyhow you have all the energy to proceed and uh, yeah so I, I don't necessarily would say that you know one path is better than another or anything like that it's just about trusting the process and uh, i guess in a human design sense how would they say living through your authority something like that
2: Speaking of which, Alicia, I don't know if you can multitask or if you even care. I just sent you my and Raphael's Gene Key Profiles in human design if there was anything that hit you or thought you thought you know about the alchemy of this conversation in particular, et etc. But uh, yeah, I can't speak very much on the human design particularly right now personally just because I literally just finished the introduction section of the book or whatever with my… Uh, fiance right before we called did this call so I mean I'm in gear for this it seems like just boot camp and right time and kind of like Harry getting out an owl you know it's like come to Hogwarts it's like all right times now I guess I've been chilling under the stairs for a hot minute now it's time to go
1: I'm totally looking at charts right now the first thing I notice is I think it's Raphael's chart has the 2946 channel which I feel like is a highly whether you relate to this or not um, is another thing, but a highly sexual and, well, it's a highly tantric channel, but I would say, and, and sexual maybe isn't even the word, pure life force energy is the word, and it powers you from your sacral to your, to your, what's the yellow diamond, I don't know, the heart. Um, and 4 I to see, 6
0: is there, but 29 you said, where would you say yes. it I was
1: yeah, going to say, you'd...
2: mine is the one without the red line, his has the red line at the top
1: yep so you still have the 29 which this is my favorite code this is the one that's right. it's it's well the 29 and the 30 were the ones that were so synchronistic for me they were and they were in I Ching, you know the hexagrams it was water over water fire over fire so it was water and fire coming together which is also interesting because i'm so water and then my partner is leo and we're water fire but um anyways, the synchronicities in those codes in our charts, but we both have that 2946 channel. And it's just been, it's pure, pure high energy that I, I'm like, okay, maybe that maybe we experience this just because we're, we're aligned and we're doing our work, you know, and, and in a way like I'm at the point where I feel like our work is just bringing in high frequency to the planet through our love through. Like our as a high portal frequency. Or something. Yeah. Like anchoring it in, bringing it through, understanding that we're capable of holding these frequencies. And that's really what the mutation is about. The mutation is about our cells and our DNA directly changing so that they can hold higher frequencies or else it would fry the machine. And so that's where that 2027 comes in because not everybody's body clearly is ready for that or their consciousness is ready to embody those high frequencies. Yet they've probably got to go through what I just went through for seven years. That's what they're starting to go through right now. That's really, I've been waiting, you know, I knew for the last year or so, okay, there's going to be some spontaneous awakening. What's it going to look like? I didn't know it would look like this, but that's really what this whole thing is about, right? It's bringing an awakening. It's bringing an awareness. It's shaking shit up where you were seeing the shadows, the collective shadows being played out, the collective fears being played out. And they have to come out in order for us to start to embody these higher frequencies and in order for us to kind of catch up with, if you want to call it the ascension, these higher frequencies of earth that are happening in order to embody them, we got to let go of the old stuff. So, And that's why I think Gene Keys is starting to become more uh, popular too, because I feel like it's exploded since I found it um, in October of of last year. I was looking for people with relevant stories with these codes and I couldn't find them because they hadn't really come out yet. They hadn't really happened yet. We're kind of the initiators of these processes, even though these codes have been out for a long time, but there's a new context being put to the codes, kind of what you were talking about in the changing of the guards and, you know, the last will be first and the first will be last and that kind of thing. It's like, we're kind of, but there's like this deep understanding that's coming in with this language. We're just ready. To receive and so i would say most people that start opening this book that have these quantum minds i don't even know that it has anything to do with charts you know it's it's more it's time and it's timing in a non-time world it's probably that we've transcended time in some ways transcended duality in some ways which i know a lot of people fight and swear that we can't do but i feel like we can. It. Con-
2: like in the matrix when they pop out in the third matrix and see the sun they, they dip back down, but it's like, I think everybody's turning on to this kind of shit has at least at one point had a moment of unity, like that we just forget about it.
1: Yeah, that's the multidimensional aspects of ourselves, right? That we can kind of play in all these worlds and none of them are right or wrong or better than another. We just go play in the ones that we want to, that feel good and you know i like to play in the ones that feel really good i like to play in those ecstatic states that's what the 46 is about with the love of the body and the acidic frequency the high, the shadow frequency is seriousness and then the acidic frequency is is ecstasy and
2: um which i think is funny because Raphael, he i mean he's not again i'm uh, clearly not against psychedelics and having fun and his highest excitement and like this fits right into that i'm like you're like for me, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm like, I'm I'm having to like trip a lot less now. I'm gonna do like once a year, and I'm not smoking weed, and I used to be grow weed and stuff like that. Whereas Raphael doesn't seem to be like deviating from the path of like carnal joy. And when I saw that when it was like his purpose is ecstasy. I was like, of course, like he's here to have a good time in a lot of ways.
1: Well, exactly. You know, I've been working through that a lot in my current relationship because even around some of these ideas of twin flames and especially in the light worker community and some of the new age stuff and, and Tantra really teaches like, um, I don't know. Sometimes it can be like these holy ways of like, okay, no penetration or like, we're just going to meditate or hold our hands. And I'm not saying those things aren't powerful, not at all, but I am saying, but they have their place, but like, listen to your body. If you have energy to go there, and that's where you want to go play, like, where are the rules at here? And you know, I have to work with Eduardo a little bit on this because, so when I met Eduardo, he he practices the Tao. He's been in the Tao. They say it's not a religion, but I've I, I beg to differ with some of the things that I hear. But he's not so. Really. He's into
2: Star Wars slash The Big Lebowski pretty hard. I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: no, he's he's such an interest. Eduardo's the most interesting person in the world. It's like he doesn't exist in the world. He doesn't have a bank account. He doesn't wear shoes. He's like in a different world. Most of the time it's, he's psychedelic without being psychedelic. Like I remember the first time I smoked with him. Um, I, well, first of all, he hadn't, he was celibate for seven years when, when I met him. So it was yeah, like, oh my like cool. I know, I know a beautiful one for me and, um, really had learned a lot about semen retention and stuff like that more from a spiritual perspective. But honestly, it's like he was preparing his body for our union because now i'm like god once you met me you started smoking you started making love like i'm i'm a bad influence on you but this is the 2946 channel activated in my personal opinion like maybe not everybody from human design would say that that's what it means or looks like but that's what it looks like and feels like for us who and we both happen to have it so it's like even double double fire
2: Sounds like you have some howler monkeys in the, on the premises.
1: <laughs> That's actually my four-year-old. No, I'm
2: kidding. I yeah, tell. I know. But good he's, Lord.
1: He's, I know. He sounds like he's having a party out there. Um, So, you know, yeah. that. So right away that channel popped out at me. I'm going to go back and look at some other stuff. And if you all have feel other about, questions. In the
0: meantime, uh, yeah, what yeah, I'd like to yeah, yeah. reinforce is, uh, well, the idea you mentioned about holding a frequency. I don't know how much I've shared on about it explicitly on the podcast, but I've also had, let's say, similar revelations, both in a sense of cognition and also in a sense of relating it specifically to so-called, you know, psychedelic music festivals. Even here, of course, uh, one may, depending on the festival, of course, many individuals have their own trips, especially on the larger ones, but there are, you know, there's a grander synchronicity available and a wider frequency range. I believe one of our first shows actually was about so-called transformative festivals and then even when we speak of things like looking at the chart you know it says ecstasy it says intoxication bliss and so on uh just as you pointed out and it fits right in perfectly there's a whole you know different approach to the entire idea once you're even aware of levels such as tantra once you're even aware of the idea of your own emotional frequency actually you know creating your reality and uh You know, whilst we may be doing many, many things in the world, in a sense, at least to me, it is blatantly obvious that it really only, merely is about maintaining your own frequency, whatever this means to you, and depending on the polarization that you're choosing. uh, And that, you know, that is all there is, because if it really is true that your state of being creates your reality, then again, what else could be more important than maintaining that frequency? on the highest possible level within the polarization you chose. And if that's positive, then that will be closer and closer to unconditional love, closer and closer to bliss. And even as you uh, explained yourself in terms of having weird feelings and so on, and you have a partner who is into Taoism, I would agree there is dogmatic approaches there as well, just like with narcissism and so on that I don't necessarily jive with. But there's many amazing tools and perspectives uh, right there. And then you can even literally, also in a bodily sense, feel there is more energy coursing through you, or at least you have the opportunity any time to activate energetic circuits within your body that any human has. It maybe takes, you know, a tiny bit of practice or whatever, but anyone going into this for a few weeks, doing these visualization exercises and uh, you know muscle exercises, uh, whatever else, there's many simple methods to go into it. One book I can recommend is um Taoist Yoga and Sexual Energy by Eric Jude Love, who was one of the first master students by Mantak Chia. Um so all I can say is it's a whole new world and there's this is there is yeah, it's a different dimension basically. And in the end, again, I would agree it's just about you know knowing who you are and then uh, deconstructing all the layers all the obstructions all the negative emotions and belief systems and then you can realize more and more anyhow you create the reality you desire and you can uh, stick to that frequency and uh, you can have this experience and process just as you described of truly in this way incarnating
2: heaven on earth well just to really quickly kind of say um it's funny because I think something that human design in the intro made me very aware of. On the one hand, you like what Raphael was saying when he's like, "You create a reality and stuff." For some reason, I always thought like that just got it didn't have any form to it in some way, and now I'm starting to realize we have designs like like, and we've chosen these designs, and in order to fully function at the highest degrees, like you know, the city level or whatever, um, honoring and understanding those designs in such a way that we let go of all the projections from others and all the, you know, this is what you need, this is what you need. People try to do that out of like, I guess, maybe at best compassionate, worst, like, you know, dogmatic kind of a projectionism or whatever. But like, we need to kind of get, like he's saying, still in ourselves. And when we know, I mean, this is kind of a both in, but it's like, you're free to do anything, but you still have like a design in a sense, like you're still going to function well, like a whale can do whatever it wants, but it's, like, it's probably better in the ocean than like on the beach or right, whatever. right.
0: And just so, here yeah, go to mention as a reference, uh, anyone interested in understanding more of the linkages, uh, check out Bruce Lipton, Biology of Belief. He's explaining genetics and epigenetics, stem cell research. I think this highly relates to this topic. And as far as I understood human design, there's some saying also along the lines of you get introduced to this and seven years later, you're through your transformational process. So that's also kind of embedded in human design. And with gene keys, the way I understand it is uh, you kind of have your particular template. And uh, again, I don't see it as dogmatic, just as insofar as I had checked out these systems, they just resonate highly. And if I can understand that me as a higher self chose my birth date and so on, then of course, I'm going to give myself the manual. But that's at least my perspective, you know, in terms of empowerment. However, it is also mentioned that, of course, everyone contains all of these codes and Correct. you can access all of them. This is just like, you know, giving you a push, like a first idea or start here. This is probably what's most resonant with you. And at least to me, as I had mentioned, I also have a very detailed human design uh, analysis made by a friend. And every time I read through this, I'm like, Oh. Everything again makes total sense and all the peculiarities and strangeness is perfectly explained. And it also allows each and every one to be more comfortable in their quote unquote weirdness, weirdness, because there is no normality in that sense anyhow. That's merely a construct. And it can really assist in the process that human design talks about, which is individuation and individuation within the idea of densities and uh, development of consciousness and the alchemical process is uh, the third density solar plexus task actually so that's only the third density task but it's absolutely required rather than collectivism you know individuation knowing who you really are to then ascend quote unquote to the fourth density which then again is the idea in the alchemical process of conjunction but individuation comes first
1: Exactly. You guys are nailing it. That's, that's what I started to find out through this stuff is I was like, if I just align with who I am, and i be my and I'm myself. You know, I learned a few things about my design that were like, oh, I'm a hermit. I'm meant to have alone time. I never had alone time. I started giving myself alone time. That's when the downloads started coming. You know, I'd always been so busy being a mom and like all the other roles that I hadn't really honored that when I started being myself, my frequency started what I would say quantum leaping because I would, I went from one state of existence to this whole other world. And I think other people are experiencing this as well. And that's how we can have these collective quantum leaps, because it's like the two becomes the 10. And then these people that start to understand this stuff, we all get together. And we have these codes that we're activating within each other. And again, we do have all the codes. So it's like you come here initially for your individual blueprint. And what I like to say, it's like your body is your starship, your codes are your are kind of the, the codes and you come in and you start to understand those And you start to pay attention to the turbulence outside of you and you use this conscious code book or this map to really help you align with, with yourself. And when you do that, it's like a rocket ship exploding into these higher frequencies that you couldn't get through before you got to let go of all the other stuff. And I would say, you know, human design talks about the seven year deconditioning, but I mean I'm not saying I've got it all figured out but I don't think it has to take 7 years that's only if we still think in linear time but at some point when you start playing in these worlds you don't think in linear time anymore like at all ever unless you really have to unless you have a a life that requires that but eventually even because if your consciousness doesn't live in time your reality won't look like that either I never need to know what day it is or what time it is very rare you know I knew what time this was today but Other than that, it's pretty rare I would look at a calendar or understand anything like that. And so when you step beyond those things, healing takes place instantaneously. It doesn't, you know, even the idea that healing takes a long time. It takes a long time to heal because something was so drastic or terrible that happened. That's just us putting time limitations on things. So how do we get more into that quantum way of thinking? And then with these codes and especially around sexuality, this was a big one for me because now looking back, I'm being reminded and I know that as I'm being reminded, I'm being shown that I'm busting through these codes for the collective. I can go back and think of the times that I was going to church and youth group and I might feel attracted to a boy and want to play or something and I wouldn't do that because that was bad right? Like all of the bad things, quote unquote, around sexuality, especially in America, I feel like it's more restricted than in other countries. I feel like other cultures are a little more free about this, but there's just always been so much fear around sexuality. And it explains a lot of the underground sexual stuff that's happening right now is that sex, sexual energy and the appreci- and the talking about sex and the being open about it hasn't really happened. It's still a little bit taboo in some ways. And so...
2: And also like in a psychoanalytic way, if we repress sexuality, it comes out in neuroses in other ways. So we have like, you know, fascism on the rise in America, maybe because people just aren't having fun in a healthy way.
1: Right. So, you know, all of these things around sexuality, there's a big in a way it's like there's a collective shift of awareness that has to happen and in that sacral area I feel like came here I wasn't so when I came to Costa Rica I wasn't so connected to my sexual energy I love my husband we had great chemistry together but that's not what we were doing because we were just like being parents we'd really fallen into that role and we were best friends we would stay up and laugh and and joke and whatever but we weren't really getting intimate because we still carried like regular life stress stuff and so Eduardo and I I would say I I have to get comfortable sharing this because it's just a part of the reality. We probably make love three to four hours every single day, which is like, I don't think that's, that's, what's exact, up. that's what is up. And I, it's like, it's not normal. And looking back in my life, I think I, you know, people would say like, Oh, you're a Scorpio. Like you're so sexual. And I was like, not really. You're in my but now, house, let's be real. <laughs> I know. I mean, yes. Yeah. So people would tell me that and be like, Oh, you're such a sexual person. I'm like, mm, not really. You know, like I am definitely just took the, the right
2: key you don't know, to open the it, lock or whatever.
1: Yes. And I, and I tuned into a totally new frequency, right? I tuned out of a frequency that wasn't in alignment with myself. I tuned out of that. The tools came in so that I could start to put the pieces together. And it was very easy for me. You know, this work can be very quick. If you're, if you're able to let go of shadows, That's all shadow work really is. And especially what's cool about gene keys is when you kind of find out some of this stuff was like programmed in your DNA and it's ancestral, it's not so much even your individual stuff, let it go. Like rewrite the program. You found a virus on the computer, you remove the virus. It's slowing you down. Right? So, um, my howler monkeys coming after me again. So those were the things I started to kind of put together from, from this was there are no rules here. You know, that's what's brought me to where I'm at right now. And even like ha- having Eduardo kind of work through his Taoist beliefs and practices, it's like the bigger picture is that there are no rules. It's really about being free, having fun, connecting with your body, connecting, listening to your body, and following desire. We've actually been taught, and desire isn't always sexual, but we've been taught that desire could lead us down the wrong road or tempt us or something like that. And I kind of feel like if I didn't follow that desire and that was part of the 30 code, which Raphael, I see you have the 29 and 30 and you're unconscious and your conscious. So it's about um, desires of it. And what I've learned is desire is actually leading us exactly where we should go. It's magnetically attracting us to those places. Whereas we've had these judgments of life, desire is bad. And so we don't follow it or we try to get rid of it. That's what I tried to do for the beginning of this until I knew what I needed to do. and chose myself and chose where my body was leading me to go. And then that's when my consciousness exploded, right? Like as soon as I honored myself and started coming into alignment with the starship, alignment with the blueprint, I transcended the blueprint. I have all these codes and then I feel like I activate these codes within other people that I talk to and that I work with and it's not so much about saying it with words we're all doing this by the way of course it's like our energetics our auric fields are creating the space for this it's just like you might receive an attunement from a guru so to speak right and the ideas of those times except now we're all gurus we're all getting we're all enlightening ourselves self-initiated like you're talking about and i think the other thing is like you know it used to be the buddha master like in the cave by himself kind of doing his own solo thing but now we're like regular people like i'm a mom and i like do regular things but i can still be a master of my reality and still live in this world and i think that's like a little bit of an evolution from those older times of what mastery used to look like is that we're mastering our reality as the human it's
2: uh stages and changes i mean just like um your child is like you know goes there's 0 to 12 months is a very different stage than you know 2 to 5 which is very different than like 7 to you know 14 um so i think there's some level of our species initiating into a new level of age like i mean that's obvious in the kind of astrology the new age and all this kind of stuff but it's like we're growing up a little and we have the chance to um, play the game a little more wisely i would think this gets into yugas and all sorts of other kind of presuppositions, but it seems like for a long time, fear and scarcity have been leading the parade, and we've been looking at each other as like threats, and I want to get to the top of the pyramid at your cost, and all this kind of stuff, and we're starting to get to a place where maybe like um, harmony, understanding, all the Age of Aquarius song lyrics, you know, harmony and understanding, all this kind of stuff, we can we can actually go to that place. It was always probably available, but it was so much less obvious as a choice that's desirable it was probably more people like poo-pooing hippies or whatever and you know at the time and now it's like yo i don't want to be part of the machine i'm sick of babylon working i'm tired you know it's like people are fed up and they're going to start doing what you're doing which is going off um and making collectives Raphael's doing it in vienna um i was trying to do it like that's why i was in australia and switzerland and places um ironically in switzerland i was like for i was there for like 10 months and i was in a an intentional Christian hostel, you think like think tank thing, but I was helping like run schedules and give tours. Um, so I totally understand the intentional living thing. And uh, I was just looking at your chart. You have a North Node in the Hood and Cancer in the fourth house, so you are supposed to be a mom. So never doubt that. Uh, given your howler monkeys kind of going bananas, is uh, did you need to go? I didn't want to hold you longer than you needed to be held or whatever.
1: No, thanks for asking. No, Eduardo, took care of him. He was just, I, He was probably some snacks or something. You know. that's interesting the Cancer North North is in my fourth house because that's been a lot of my death process right first I let go of my husband you
2: almost died in a birth thing right in a
1: birth right and then then though in this last part that was the other beautiful part about how this was so what I would say orchestrated or designed in a fateful way. It's like, it's interesting. You play with the idea of fate, but then, which is looking at charts and things like that. And then you play with the idea of being the creator, but I think you kind of go through the fate first and then you're, and then the fate's done. So now you're creating or something. Um, I mean, not that it doesn't always evolve. Well, like Miles
2: but, Davis said, Miles Davis said, like, learn all the music theory and then forget it. Cause then you can play. It's like there's that's, a structure, there's fate, sure. And there's like, you know, rules if you want. And then that's when you can bend them. As in is like some are meant to be bent, some can be absolutely broken. Like there's a spectrum kind of there. It's not, you know, gravity can be broken. You just have to know how to do it. Like propulsion and, you know, stuff like that, bird wings or whatever.
1: No, exactly. And that's what what was happening, I think, as this all was going down. And I was finally able to, like, accept myself and accept my decisions that and my desires and what I wanted to do. And make that decision and ending it with my husband, we ended up, I mean, it doesn't mean he didn't go through some shock. And, and thankfully he wasn't, he wasn't quite on the same conscious path that I was at the beginning. He did do ayahuasca right when he came here, which definitely helped him like digest these shifts. Um, Team rabbit
2: hole approved. I haven't done (laughs) it, but Raphael
1: has. It was an interesting experience when he did it. You know, he ended up leaving the shaman and coming and finding me in the middle of the night. And I guided him through the journey. It was like, like that
2: was... a party fell, isn't it? Like stay in the circle.
1: <laughs> yes, it was. That was my experience with ayahuasca. I've never, I still haven't done it. So it's so interesting that that's how I kind of experienced it. I knew exactly what to do to guide him through it as if I were the shaman. But yeah, I'm like, Oh my God, the shaman doesn't even know he's gone. Like he literally, oh, wow. there's a, there's a dude and you know, on ayahuasca on the loose. And so who's to say why that happened, except that I was meant to guide him through his process. But Um, but anyways, you know, he and I, that's pretty
2: meta, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up, we're friends, like we're best friends. Like we've always been, we are just not together anymore. It doesn't mean we didn't go through a little bit of a hard patch, like going through the process. And he went through his own sadness and whatever he had to go through. and, And I went through mine, but there was, I think, a deep trust on both of our levels of understanding this and like him and Eduardo could be friends, we could all have dinner together. He just now moved back to the US and he took the the two older ones wanted to go with him. So, so that's where like I've been, I just went through my process of with North Node Cancer, fourth house all happening. As that ended, as that eclipse came, my two oldest children just moved back to the States and I'm still here. So it's like I'm redefining my role as a mother because I had to question I had to go through the guilt and shame of like, what is a mother and I'm a bad mom because I'm not going to stay with my kids and like, but trusting the surrendering to these processes and mother is beyond physical mother and the gene key starts getting into this too and family alchemy and things like that. We're stepping beyond family just being the one family unit. We really are all family, like bring the song, right? But we really are all that. And so our whole family together has transcended that. And so definitely we talk about mom and dad and thankfully they've been like so supportive of the whole bit. Um, His family won't talk to me. I'm definitely the girl on the oh, shit list. You know, I was going to say, course. I'm
2: surprised your kids wanted to go back given like America's climate right now compared to like, I mean, I know the howler Monkeys might be scary at night or something, but it's like, geez, like Costa Rica is an adventure. I don't, what, to they go back to Texas?
1: Yeah, they went back to Texas. They're, they had already lived so much of the American life. Like my son's about, he turns 13, my daughter's nine. He wants to play football. She wants to cheer. Tony like, yeah, they want to go gotcha. back to that world and, and I don't. And I really had to make that decision to decide if I was gonna s- stay here. And my four year old that I had that experience with is here with me. And, um, and and there wasn't any fighting about it either. Like we just, we've rewritten the way, and I know more and more people are doing this. And this is actually a part of the mutation. And right now we're in the code on ring of union, which is four specific codes. It's the gene key four, seven, 29 and 59. So the 29, we all have it by the way, all of us do. So I would read that code. If you're contemplating any of the info, jump into the 29 right now. It comes up in two weeks, but looking back the, the code on ring of union is about bringing in new forms of relationship and new forms of, uh, and shifts in, in sexuality, eventually even Jean keys talks about the sublimation of sexual energy altogether. Um, but we're not in that phase yet. We're in the burning out of desire phase burning out the desire, collective desire phase. Yeah. And I'm doing my job in that part. So that's part of the 30, the 30 talks about that. in the sidic frequency burning out the burning out the desire of the collective at some point in the higher frequencies. So, um, so and I'll say yeah. with
2: the North node and cancer and fourth house for you, it's like, you're going to reestablish, I mean, your karma, if you want to put it this way on the astrological front is just somewhat like, um, redefine what being a mom is as well as kind of what uh nurturance looks like so like you're saying like you, you might provide nurturance in a level that's outside of just like your address or something you know, like your nuclear family like that might be extending and also obviously with the uh um dynamic you have it's a little less traditional that's probably why you know your uh former husband's or your ex-parent-in-laws, or, or, or whatever they're called, I forget now, um, mother and father-in-law are like, fuck you, or whatever, because they're still on another trip, but you're here to kind of be the cutting edge wave of like what the new motherhood looks like
1: exactly what the new motherhood looks like what a divorce has to look like understanding that i mean i think we've really put a lot of stress on the preservation of relationships and making things work and making things happen and celebrating 50-year marriages of old people that have been miserable because they're grumpy you know like that's but the, the number so of...
2: impressive guys i mean that's the point right people stay in something <laughs> exactly. for like the wrong High reasons score yeah high score the worst way
1: it's like high five right like here you've been together for 50 years and so like and so breaking through that stuff and taking a perfectly beautiful relationship I and mean, that's part of the death of my ego i had to go through i was like damn if i um, if i let go of this beautiful relationship that i have that i have no complaints or problems with at all I think like some of my good friends are going to lose, lose a little bit of their faith in humanity that they could find a beautiful, that, that was a partnership that my husband and I had. And, and how beautiful is it that because it was so solid like that, that even through this shit, like he had to decide how he was going to handle it. Right. I don't get to control that for him. And that's what I had to do when making these decisions was remember my kids chose me as their mom. They chose me to be to for these very moments right here. They chose me to not conform. They chose me to actually be who I am because I know in the long run, this is exactly what they need to see and understand. And even now it's like, I feel like I connect with my kids on a, on a more psychic level, even though it might not be intentional. Like, oh, I just telepathically communicated with my daughter. There's an energy there where like, she doesn't need me in the same way as some. Other children might need parents and it's because I've never really created those codependent because that can come in parenting too, creating these codependent relationships, especially around children where they need to need oh, yeah. you, you know, and so um, it's like I can see how my parenting style, which then it is now for sure, because I used to think my whole life not- was about nothing but being a mom. So what a contradiction to be in this world that I'm in now and then and then here's something that thought. It all off. I'm having another baby, which I didn't plan on having any more children. Eduardo and oh, I are having a child. So we went through all of that shift of like two of my oldest children who I love are moving away. And a lot of people are like, how could you even do that? Right? Like, how could you let your kids kind of thing? And yet like, and they're happy with where they're at and it doesn't have to be a fight or an argument and this stuff to be traumatic for them if the parents don't make it traumatic, right? So if they're not fighting and hating each other and putting each other against each other and bringing negative energy to it and we're teaching them actually sovereignty, love and acceptance, being yourself, choosing. Holding on mostly to
2: expectations maybe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and really redefining roles of who we, of. Who we thought we were supposed to be, or what this if you if you're this, you need to do it this way, or you know clearing all of those old programs around what a good mother is that was a program that probably hung over my head for the longest and still creeps back around sometimes is like the perfect mother program. I've never been the snack mom and the volunteer mom, and like that, so I would be like, "Um, oh, not like Janie, you know that kind of thing,
0: if I may add uh." I think you asked a great question or uh, made a great statement in terms of considering, of course, this is a matter of, you know, worldview or self view. But of course, I would agree, uh, just as you had chosen your parents, uh, your children in that sense chose you. And uh, you asked the right question in terms of, um, or said basically that of course they need you to be yourself because of course you are the role model. And uh, the question then being, what would you want for them? And of course, also for them, if they were in a similar situation out of unconditional love, you know, as the perfect idea of mother and father, you would, of course, want them to be as supremely happy as they could possibly be, no matter how great their status may seem to others or whatever, just as it was in your case. And the other question I would like to raise or like to point out, what I always also enjoy as a perspective is, what would you uh, want for yourself if you would look as yourself right now as being your own child i think that's also a great consideration
1: okay so if i would look at myself as if i were the child like basically like are you kind of saying like me putting myself in my children's shoes in a way
0: not really in your children's and i basically i'm not actually asking you to reconsider anything of what you said, because it would fit right in line. But just with any decision and thinking and just like putting it into abstract and then seeing yourself. You and mean, then like considering inner child? that yeah, in this way, and considering like, uh, you are not Alicia, I'm not Raphael, but actually, I'm Raphael's father. And as his father, what would I wish for him knowing all I know about him because I am him, right? Uh, and then i think uh, one would arrive at similar conclusions just as what you've did so i'm basically just confirming it just uh, you know putting up this perspective of you know considering yourself to be your own child and then looking at yourself with that unconditional love of a mother and a father but looking at your actual subject subjective experience as being that and then considering what is the best advice or idea or what is the wish you would have for them and of course uh it would be just as unconditionally loving as you would wish for your actual children.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, I would look down and be like, I'm proud, you know, of that. And, and I think of how my parents even responded to me in this situation. When I, when I, because we went through this process kind of secretly, we were in another country, we were kind of able to that was the beautiful part, part about it, nobody really had to see all of this, we got to really go through our processes in the middle of the forest in the jungle in the river, you know, with a few other conscious people around us who might have been giving us a little guidance or making suggestions or just being like the sounding boards for us through the process. But when I finally could tell my parents, because it was only my own fear and shame that I couldn't tell them right away. The fear of the judgment. My dad actually started crying and he said, You know you did it. Like you're the rainbow bridge. And my dad doesn't even talk like this. Like, it's really interesting. It's not like he's in my dad. Who gr-
2: are you? Exactly.
1: Nice. Exactly. And he was crying. He's on this FaceTime with me. And it's, I have an interesting relationship with my parents. Anyways, I love them so much. I'm so close to them. And, and also we don't like call each other every week and see how we're doing. It's like, it's almost like that same thing I'm talking about that I have with my dad. It's like this psychic knowing, like, you're here with each other, but your peers amongst each other, but you know each other, but you are each other. So it's not like I need to check in or see how things are going or, but when we do catch up, it might be a three hour thing or something. But I remember on that call, he was crying and being like, you know, proud that he was part of bringing through the rainbow bridge, seeing me as in bridge, And I was like, damn, what, literally, who are you dad? Like, where is this coming from? And, um, And I'm so grateful I have their, they're so neutral in their support. Like I've, I've, I'm definitely a crazy ass kid in most parents' eyes. You know, I know for, for my ex-husband, his father, that's been his hardest, right? His son is divorced and the story looks bad, you know? So I'm I'm the bad guy in the story Uh because it really matters to parents what their children do, right? And so their reputation depends on who their children are because they're not themselves, right? So we're busting through these these silly molds of any of that stuff like i at a at a pretty early point i remember realizing oh my children aren't mine and i'm not here to produce me's. and i'm not here to produce what i think they're supposed to be or what they want and that's where human design and gene key stuff kind of came into i was like wow everyone's so different every personality is so different the way we process emotions is so different I can not only see this information and love and accept myself exactly how I am, but I can also love and accept anybody else exactly how they are because I understand they're just living out their design with some conditioning and programming. But ultimately my job as a parent is to not program my kids, to not program them and condition them to believe any certain way of being and in the long run. Societal wise, there's judgments around what I've done as a mom to my kids and what what could be damaging them emotionally and all of the things that they might be going Please, through. Like you, you could, know.
0: whatever you're doing, I mean, like you could damage them any more than you know standard regiment uh, culture programming.
1: <laughs> right. So I had to break through all of that stuff exactly, and so and I carried those things though as whispers in my ear. I I still carry the judgment or I would, and I would be able to observe it and work through it where it doesn't control me or force me to make a decision. That's not really who I am. You know, that's where we've got to get to, too, that we're not making decisions based on anybody else. Not even our kids, not our moms, not our dads, not our kids, not God, you know, like you're literally, you're making them based on yourself, how you feel in your body, listening, getting in tune with that connection. And, um, it's, it's a little bit different than what we've been taught, right?
2: <laughs> so out of curiosity, how much of the uh, gene keys in human design do you use on your kids? Like, is that a tool that you're like trying? Because that was one of the things in the intro of human design. It's like, this could be amazing for your kids. You can actually grow them up in the way they should go kind of thing and letting them fly and be free as themselves. Um, are you into it at that level or are you, are you not really kind of going down that rabbit hole?
1: I understand it and I think the blanket statement is still that I'm just not here to program them. I'm here to love them and accept them as they are. I'm here to understand that they're pro- they're going to still ha- receive conditioning and programming from the outside world and they're designed to do that just like we did. That's that's how we learn and play and have experiences. Like I'm a little sad they're not going to be here in Costa Rica where the school is a total free school. There's no instruction, there's no teaching. There's no Facilitator in the class, and yet they learned Spanish. They were fluent in it in like three months, right, without being taught anything. That
0: a regular and school?
1: It's a it's a it's um it's a free school. It's called a um, well, it's it's a mix of Montessori and uh, Emerson. And so it's really just prepared environments where the kids have their own. They're here to to be autonomous, to choose their stuff, to choose what we're they want to do.
2: Just let them explore. They'll exactly. Figure it out.
1: They learn it all that way. Like it's all of our shit that we put inside of them that keeps them from ever learning the natural process from a young age. And so, or now, the
2: societal like demands, where like we need people who are programmers, so we're going to tell you how to program. So you know, it's like that's the conditioning part of the expectation of the big brother or whatever
1: right or we're gonna teach them history and it's gonna be programming and lies and hate and you know like who believes in any of that shit anymore like why did i memorize any of that stuff what does that even pledge
2: allegiance to
0: the flag right (laughs) what
1: am
2: i saying
0: i totally think that's why literally no one in school seemed to be interested in history almost because most of it is you know very sketchy
1: Well, and the kids coming in now, they have a resonance that's way deeper whether they know it or not and whether their parents know it or not. You know, Even if you're coming in to program parents, I also think the kids aren't as programmable anymore. You can kind of see that with with more of the next gens that have come up and they've just kind of like some of them don't go to school or they just start to travel or they create their own stuff and they don't need university and like so you can see how that's been happening and even more as the kids come in because the frequency on the planet's higher, right? They automatically come in with a snapshot of wherever the earth frequency is at that time. At that time, or or higher, even you could say, but they're not programmed and conditioned. So my biggest role is not to program and then condition them with any of my programs and conditions. Oh, I didn't
2: mean like you were indoctrinating them with Human Design. I was just wondering if oh, you no. use it as a tool of observation <laughs> to be like, oh uh, shit, well, she's a four-one line, whatever. Like I got. I do have
1: played with that, and here's the other interesting. Well, first of all, my youngest son is a projector, so he's a little more of the rare one. Most of us are, ge- are generators and manifesting generators. And so he's a projector. And what I've learned about projectors is they're here to, they they're designed to wait for the invitation. And also they need recognition, which I needed to know that because I'm not much of a recognizer. Like I don't need recognition myself. And I actually try not to create children that need recognition from anyone or need an approval or someone to be like, oh, you're doing a great job, right? But and in spite so, of your
2: proclivities, he has a design
1: or But he has a design. So, you know, now I understand like, what, Something, especially if I want him to do it again, like cleaning up his stuff or putting his plate away or whatever. You know, whatever. I'll be Damn, like, you're the
2: best dishwasher <laughs> ever.
1: Yeah, and he'll be like, "Thanks, mom." And you can see how he really appreciates that. Whereas my other kids would be like, "Whatever," like they don't even they don't need that stuff. But he's designed that way. He's um, so I've learned those types of things, and I apply them. I've I've understood how the emotional wave works, which is really interesting, and that's based on the uh the right center of the solar plexus whether it's defined or undefined and i think both of ours all of ours are undefined so we're a little bit different we're going normally off of our sacral energy that the gut yes or no most of the stuff we feel isn't even our own stuff but we're with someone with a defined solar plexus which was my husband and my oldest son i could now see like they have an emotional wave so when i learned the mechanics of what that looked like i could see that they would go through a high intense period and that if I could just keep my neutral state and I didn't really react to that, I understood that this this would calm down and it would come to another place. And so I didn't go and play in the intensity and that, and therefore I didn't get intense either. And so you really just allow them to have their emotional wave and you watch it and you kind of just like, look at your watch. Like I don't wear a watch. There's
2: two it's. shall pass
1: but you know and it's like oh interesting he's going you know with my husband going through the breakup process and knowing like you know one minute he'd be totally fine and the next minute he'd have some knee-jerk reaction about something and i would be like okay this is his emotional wave and so i'd wait a day i wouldn't take it personal i wouldn't think anything of it and I would kind of let that roll through, and then he, he's like a different person, right? And now I can work with him, and now I can deal with him, and now that that other reaction probably doesn't even exist anymore. So I already have my own control over my emotions and my understanding, but now I could understand that in others, and it was really helpful. But the other pattern I noticed that's really interesting is... Um, r- my, my oldest son, Lawson, has the same defined and undefined centers as my husband. And I could literally see how he was my husband. They're a reflection of each other on purpose, by design. Again, this is just about birthday. It's not really because it's his father, he's like his father, right? So I'm, we're just looking at mechanics of design. My daughter's like me. So I could see how, and I've heard this concept before, that you actually have children to reflect your own inner child. Like that's really the purpose of having them. It's not so much about, okay, well you get married and you have children. It's like you have them so that you have this reflection outside of you. Right. And so right in front of your face all the time. Right. So that's the interesting thing that I've noticed. And I'm not saying not everyone's is going to be like this, but in our particular case, my daughter um, has the same centers open. It looks like Raphael, you and I have the same exact centers, defined and undefined different codes and things. Of course, there's so many variations of this, but I did notice that about you and I, we have the open head and I would say it's every time I look at mine, I'm like, God, I picked a fun-ass design, like I love it. It's so fun. And that's what we all need to get to. And if we're playing our design, we'll get there because it will feel good. It will feel better than anything else when we actually start playing in our design. And, and yet, I don't think you have to know this stuff to get there, right? you can really get to that point of like just surrendering and really letting this thing play through you, which is kind of what I, this is the image I see all the time now. It's like, can we jump off the cliff? Can we jump and realize the fear that's keeping us from jumping? Like we think we're going to die or we think we're going to get hurt or something like that. And we let go of the control and we really just fall into this like nature that's flowing through us. That's leading us. And that's where I've kind of gotten, it's like, I don't question anything. I don't plan anything. I don't have expectations. The creator that I am actually doesn't have an agenda. I, it is only that I am wide open to the flow. And this is Tao energy, right? Is this is, this is what you were bringing up earlier. It really is that it's. And so far it hasn't done me wrong. Like I I wouldn't have logically written my story like this if I had written a five-year plan. I wouldn't have ever imagined myself divorced. I wouldn't have ever imagined myself living in another country. I wouldn't have imagined myself pregnant again, like any of that stuff. And yet I maintain these high levels of love in my body and feeling an orgasmic energy in my body pretty much all day every day without even having to think about it because I'm living in my design. And that's where I think we can start to look at this stuff and rework the way that we understand ourselves and our design. I mean, that's how I usually start out any session. If I'm sharing human design or gene keys with someone as I want, I tell them, I just want you to imagine that before you came into this world, you typed up these codes in this design and you wanted to be this, and you wanted to experience that and your parents and your traumas and so there's no regrets here and so now you start to see how it's all by design and it's all perfect and so now here we are where we can love and accept all of that forgive it whatever needs to heal whatever needs to be healed so that we can move forward with the embodiment of the higher self if we can just get and it goes through opening the heart of course it's the frequency of love it's opening the heart but the only way we can embody these higher frequencies in the body, which we are designed to do is we've got to let go of the attachments of the old stories of who we thought we were. This is a true death and the rebirth and maybe not everyone's coded for that either, but you're talking to a Scorpio. So this is just my, my personal death. And I will tell you something so interesting. When my husband set up our divorce, he had to fly into the U S to do it. We did it totally without any lawyers. We paid the like most simple fee possible. And um, it ended up on the Saturn-Pluto conjunction exactly in January, whenever that was, I think there was an eclipse <laughs> too. Yeah, it was so interesting. That's when I started to realize, like, I can't deny this stuff. Because, you know, some people will still be like, oh, astrology is a hoax or all of this stuff. And I'm like... And I take it loosely, though. I just play with this stuff. I don't take anything too serious. Now things that end all, be all. That's how. That's the only way we can evolve, right? If we don't get too attached to any system, too attached to any process, so that we can still continue to evolve. So who knows? I mean, in a year, maybe I won't even think about the gene keys. But maybe it won't even right be relevant. Now
2: is, it's applicable, and that's kind it's of very the where it's like being too rigid. Like if the tree is like, I'm a sap, I'm a seed, I'm never going to be anything else. Like it won't become a sapling. Like if it's a sapling, I'm like, I won't be a bigger, you know. A middle tree, it won't become a, a fucking redwood or whatever. So it's like there's appropriateness for where you are at all times. Um, one thing you were kind of saying that uh, hit me, um, I'm totally spacing on it now derp, but so, so we keep on talking about the I Ching and how it ties to the codon rings. Terrence McKenna, I'll have to send you some info and links and stuff. Um, I don't know if you know who he was, but he was kind of an American philosopher. Um, all about the mushrooms, DMT, and stuff.
1: I love him. He was born oh, okay. on November sixteenth, so he was born two days before me. I watched that Time Wave Zero video. Have That's you seen about, that one? Yeah, oh. yes. I
2: was going to mention it. That's oh what I was like. God. There's a thirty minute interview that where he starts breaking down the nature of time as reflected in the I Ching. That's where his Time Wave Zero, his uh, software that he designed on novelty. That's why December twenty first, twenty twelve, in the McKenna world, was the end. You know, the beginning of a of, of a new paradigm, or the end of you know. Novelty becoming so crazy that it's like we can't chart this. It's like a you know, and not just X Y. It's like Z now or whatever. Uh, and obviously the Mayan calendar ended then too. My mom's birthday is the 21st of December. Okay, so you know who McKenna is? He's a Scorpio, Sun, Virgo, Moon. So he kind of talks in this stayed emotional way. It's like it's he's one of my favorites. Um, actually, we're having Rupert Sheldrake on the podcast. We have to um get schedule that. But he used to be kind of like one of his ninjas and like hang out with him and Ralph Abrahamson, who's a chaos mathematician. I'll send you something called the Trilogues, which they did, McKenna, um, Sheldrake, and Abrahamson, which is kind of like podcasting before podcasting. It was like in the 80s, they'd just be like, what is time? And they talk about Gregorian calendars and just kind of muse, like long form. Fascinating shit. There's like 30 lectures. But anyway, um, yeah, it seems like there's this woof and um, weave to the fractal. It has to design. It's not chaos, but but holding on loosely to that, um, you know. We can fill – it's like painting by numbers in a sense. It's like the numbers are there and the lines are there, but then you can make it kind of whatever colors you want. The map isn't the territory in the sense that being dogmatic and being like, well, it says there's a waterfall here and it should be XYZ. It's like it gives us kind of an idea um, not exactly of what to expect. Um, The thing that came to mind now I'm remembering earlier, you're like, oh, I would never have – Plotted this life and it's like and ironically, it's like, you know that you plotted it So it's like I don't have to tell you that but it's almost like a screenplay Is not exactly like the final product. so like whatever the screenplay for the matrix was or you know cloud atlas or any you know, Tron or whatever movie? Um, it doesn't flow the same way It's like it has to fill in and then it, it impresses everybody in part of it Even the directors vision is like probably surpassed, you know, so we're in a mode of creating stories that have scripts um, but they can be filled in in various ways with creativity and other people playing their scripts. And that turns into like this whole pageantry of collaboration, which is what life fucking is.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's uh isn't it fun when you get there, when you're just, when you know, this is just, you're here to have fun. You're here to experience. You're here to play. You're here to, to watch this thing unfold. And it's like, you're the creator and the watcher and And nothing's, there are no regrets here. There's nothing by chance here. And, um, that's that true surrender the jumping off the cliff when we can start to watch it like that you
2: can fly you can fly you can fly. we have pixie dust it's our imagination and we just have to trust in it i think in our heart i guess combined imagination and heart um is there anything that we haven't really touched on that you like felt pressing because i i think i mentioned to candace um i want to have like a gene key human design kind of episode one day where we just have a few people who are way into it and just like talk about it like really in depth um we've talked about it, kind of you and stuff and tapped into it and i appreciate the fact that you're kind of like an um a professional amateur or something like that like myself i didn't go to astrology school but i still do it um so is there anything like that we aren't really tapping on that is kind of resonating in your mind or heart or do you feel kind of um finished on that front
1: well, I think the main thing to bring through on any of this stuff is to understand that we're not fixed. You know, what I've understood more than anything about this information is that, that understanding and playing with the idea that there is a mutation and, you know, gene key 55 and 22 are kind of the key. That's
2: what my uh, twin flame and I are. I have 22, she has 55. <laughs> oh, so exactly. A bunch of so other the, things. So, so the 22 the level, is. Yeah.
1: That, and it's bringing in that feminine code, the twenty-two. And if you've read it, yeah, I mean, it's talking about the different planes of existence. And and like and earth the, to
2: the stars is the twenty-two, and fifty-five oh. is like from heavens down to Earth. It's that uh, interlocking triangles of the Star of David kind of thing.
1: I, I kind of tell people if they if they can if they can forego studying their own intrigue of their own self, and they jump into these codes. It can really, but every, but we're all here at different levels to understand things differently too, right? Like someone's going to come in and learn the gene keys by setting one code a month. Like Richard Red, the creator of gene keys would be like, don't overdo this stuff. You need to give yourself time and contemplate a code for a month and go one at a time. And I've never even followed any of the formal systems for this stuff. You just kind of play with this, but the 22 and the 55 That 22 is kind of bringing in the feminine, the 55 is bringing in. I would also say the 49 too. So I mean they're all pertinent they're all important they're all magical and fun and they're all contradictory too it's like you get into those city states and that and there's contradiction there in a way or there's a paradox there when you kind of get to the get to the and it's like there are no rules like all of the things about gurus and masters not being able to do this or doing that or you know it's like there really are no rules here there are no morals here about what's right and wrong and that's the interesting part that you kind of come to when you get to some of these civic states and i would say the first number one these Cidic states are here and people are in you are able to embody them i think when i first started getting in the gene keys i would i was around a lot of people that talked about it as if it was really far away and something impossible like the Cidic states were jesus you know and i'm like we're here to embody this this stuff. We are this stuff. We wrote this code for ourselves to remember, to turn ourselves back into this, to remember this. But, you know, in the 55, it's called the dragonfly's dream. I what should
2: clarify. I'm the 55. She's the 22. She'll kill me if I don't say that. Like, you idiot. <laughs> you We uh, misrepresented us or whatever. No, uh, but so, anyway, yeah, the dragonfly, right? Where it comes out of the water and it takes a minute, but then it can kind of morph into a new domain yes. altogether.
1: What's well, showing the mutation? It's showing the mutation that you know it's born into the water and it's, it thinks this is all that there is. And one day, it's not even like a scientific explanation exactly. It's not like every day on this month or whatever. One day, they spontaneously step out of the water and these wings fly out of their back and they fly for the rest of their life. No and longer so they're water bound, like,
2: they're air bound. It's like an n- element shift
1: isn't it and so that's what it's here to show us if we just consider that we can understand that we are here in this physical body mutating and so we're being shown the process of mutation through the insects through you know metamorphosis with the butterfly and Um, and so that's what that 55, I don't know that he's explaining it exactly like that, but I think so. It's like, that's the idea. If you can grasp that concept and understand that we're not fixed and we're not limited and that we're, we are coded for this, or we wouldn't even be anybody listening to this is, or they wouldn't be hearing this information. It's because it's time for that activation to come on. And I find that when people come into this stuff, Like, it's not very long after that shit starts to shake up, whether it's relationship, job, individual, you know, it just kind of has to. Like, you're here to jump into some higher planes of existence or having some shifts or whatever. That's why the information would come to prepare you for what I would call these quantum leaps, where you go from one person to a completely new person without even really putting time onto it.
0: um, What's like, what you said? I just checked the date on when I actually got this. Paper for the first time in my case it was 2014 already, and uh, just looking at the date, I can very much confirm uh, what you're saying. So it's right on.
2: <laughs> right, I started waking up at around the end. Uh, I went through a huge breakup at the end of 2013, 2014. It's probably right around when I met Raphael. So here we are, just kicking into the next gear, um, and like she's saying, like when he, he always has the splinter in his mind. So I think some people are more aware, like. Like they know something's different, and then they take that red pill. But his he is very disoriented when he takes it. You know, they like breathe through this, and then he turns all metallic and like fractal screams or whatever. And then he wakes up in the fucking incubator or whatever. Um, doesn't make it easy. So you're gonna have some. I mean, the 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 butterfly comes from an emulsification process of the caterpillar. It, it liquefies right in a chrysalis. It like dies, basically. So very scorpionic stuffs. Um, so people. You know be prepared for the changes but the changes bring about a new level of being that you who knows the first person perspective of a caterpillar or the dragonfly but i don't think they expect they know that they have to initiate a process but they don't probably understand the results of the process they're not like i got to fly one day damn it they're probably just like what's going on oh my gosh and you know then all of a sudden they're a new thing so we are being born into this new form it's it's been written in the stars it's been written in our genes it's time we're here and we're part of the ground crew to initiate this shit so i really do appreciate you coming on today um i don't want to take too much of your time you are a mom so there's like life to deal with and stuff but um any kind of parting thought um and like do you have a website um we'll be sure to put it in the links
1: yeah um yeah, the Gene Keys talks about this—the Trivian human. So they t- he talks about the root races that have come through the Lemurian and the Atlantean, and, and our so, last
2: episode was literally Atlantis now, Lemuria. <laughs> so really, we're just talking about that.
1: See, and I'd heard of root races and stuff, but as that's the first stuff I was kind of coming into. I was not so much diving into my codes as much as the structure of where this information was coming from. And it was talking about these root races. So the 49 and the 55 are also connected together. It's talking about the individual, uh, awakening and then the collective awakening. So the 49 and 55 are both really nice to read and the 22, but, um, but, oh, what was I going to tell you about that was the point of me telling you that? Um, Damn, I kind of lost it. I don't know. No, so rabbit holes can
2: collapse on us sometimes. I
1: know it just went away, but so forty nine five. Check them out. No, I I don't have a website. I've just kind of been casually starting to really share this stuff with people. I do do sessions for people that want to know stuff about it, but I've just I'm a mess. Facebook Messenger, Facebook. I kind of just keep it simple. I. It's funny to think I used to work for a tech for eight years, and now I'm like basic basic internet user but um i don't have a website i do i do a podcast with my ex-husband called you've been programmed vibrate post into, that. yeah so you can post that it's uh you've Been programmed vibrate into a new reality and it's really kind of it's taught it's talking to the person just awakening kind of coming through the like letting go of what they thought mattered and the money and the life and the jobs and the reputations and the people and just the whole awakening process Process. We've kind of step by step talked through our life, our breakup, and you know, how I was we're gonna managing say, you should that.
2: That. I'm glad you did.
1: Yeah, we could probably do a little more on it. I mean, we're just really coming out of the closet. I've been we have part a year now. I mean, the divorce was final January, but I've been with Eduardo just a year, so we're just I haven't even talked about being pregnant yet, and I'm halfway through. I'm actually due right around the solstice on Christmas Day, actually, so it's. Interesting. Um, you know, the gene keys even talks about when two auras come together, the 59 talks about this, when two, uh, energy fields come together and merge into one, which I would say that's what's happened with he and I, that the, it makes, uh, it makes for the new awareness to come into form in the, form of a the child. Baby. So, yeah, well, and right, because what am I going to program them to believe? Right. I'm just, and I'm just the portal for this badass light that's about to come through is really how I see it. It's funny, the evolution of even how I've seen childbearing. You know, my first two kids, it was like, oh, yeah, we're having kids and babies are cute. And then by the third one, I was like, man, this is a spiritual experience. And then and but, you're like, but I, still I have wasn't the prophet deep into it. in my
2: belly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's like Christ consciousness, De- December 25th, even though December 25th is just a fake affiliation with those dates anyways, but still, there's some significance to it. So. um, So yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm here to bring to people is, and the mutation doesn't have to be scary. It's as scary as we as hard as we hold on to the old world, we got to let go of it. And we have to trust and we have to take that leap. And we have to remember, we're not going to die, we're going to fly we really are the immortals we really are here to bring the new consciousness the mutation doesn't necessarily feel like anything you might not even notice physical things necessarily but it's happening in the body it's happening through our understanding and our consciousness and our awareness and the way we process emotions read the field read other people tune into the psychic awareness that we have that's kind of been you know batted down sometimes depending on how we've grown up or what we've what the clutter has been inside the body that we that's kind of clouding all of that so um i'm just excited as we all awaken in this collective field and i'm feeling it more and more and i'm feeling the power and the intensity of that and it is a magnification that's happening a multiplication that's happening where you know two come together and it's like a thousand and so all three of us come together and whoever's listening and the impact that that actually is making energetics energetically in this this plane of existence that we believe to exist around the planet around the world if we want to look in in space and time um when we're coming together and remembering stuff together there's so much DNA that still hasn't been activated that's going to bring us the the deep certainty of who we really are. And it's that's what's days. coming.
2: But there's more. It's like, it ain't ever yet. We're just kicking into the next grade level.
1: It never ends. We've just been preparing for this. And we had to go through kind of the little stuff first. And now it's time to really embody, you know, God, I never heard of a Palladian until I got here. And a book fell off a shelf and this girl handed it to me. And I was like, what's a Palladian? And then I read oh, this book. And it was and I then I realized I'm born in the Palladian lineup. I'm born directly directly Palladian, November eighteenth, which is also Terence McKenna's born in the Palladian lineup. May so th- this is some starseed astrology information. You might already know it, but the twenty fifth, sixth, and seventh degree in Scorpio and Taurus are connected to the Palladians. Um, and so which is mid May and mid uh, mid May and mid November is when we're directly, uh, stacked with the Palladian energy. So, um, but yeah, I'd never even heard of that till I got here. And then I read The bringers of the dawn book and that's actually how I started hearing about DNA and frequency first. And then the gene keys came in and it was about genes and DNA and frequency. And I was like, wow, there's Dude, you something just got, to like, this. Hit.
2: Like, because the, um, bringers of the dawn was a book that fell off a shelf, ironically, randomly from my fiance way back in the day. like, like fell into her bag or something like same kind of situation where it's just like okay um she's not a scorpio but she's uh a virgo but the point is yeah dude it's kind of like a interstellar like there's things and forces of ourselves in other ways like trying to tap us into higher levels of initiation and just keep your mind and eye open and you'll see these patterns and what a mystery magical mystery tour we're on huh
1: That's so cool that happened to her because this girl just said, hey, this book fell off the shelf and your face popped in and I'm supposed to give you this book. And I read it and I was like, how was this shit written 26 years ago? My mind is being blown and I'm reading it. I'd never heard anything like that. And this was just not even two years ago. I had not even heard of a star seed. I'm glad that chick
2: was open to the synchronicity like that.
1: Oh, she was deep. She was the first person when I met here. I was like, wow, I'm finally around people because I'd been living in this, my own inner world for a really long time. And, the, and, it, and I hadn't reflected out yet because I hadn't learned to be myself. I was really afraid to express my awakening. So I was still only attracting people that would totally weird because I couldn't honor my own awakening. It was like when I really started being who I was starting to realize and see that I'd been to me that were seeing like she brought me that book. And I was like, how was that written 26 years ago? And then, you know, I started to see, because there is no linear time here, it's as if we come into these timelines and we put this stuff here. You know, we come from the future and we put it back and we kind of can rewrite stuff or reroute things. Or um, So literally, bringers of the dawn fell out of the sky. Gene keys fell out of the sky. Human design, these were the tools that kind of came in as my tool belt. Um, you know, to connect me. And yet I don't have Palladian connections like where I channel, I feel directly connected to the source consciousnesses. The Palladians are deeply connected with this country, this land, this magical mermaid that's out in the ocean that nobody knows how it got there that I always go visit around the eclipses and the full moons and connected to Venus and magical stuff. Anyways, I know I could go on forever and we've been- been on here a while but oh, you're um, cool, you're
2: cool. we'll get you back on here so basically parting thoughts are like follow the magic find the mermaids at eclipse and all this kind of stuff right
1: yeah surrender or let go stop don't let fear fuck with you so hard like we really gotta identify fear is what's keeping us from really letting go fear is dissolving the last of our programs, you know, that are keeping us in this limited state most of the time. Like we've been taught to trust the fear, but the fear is always a lie. And we hear that and we know that like it's the cliche, fear is a lie, false evidence appearing real, but seriously, we're here to learn how to manage the chemicals in the body, the connection of the emotions in the body, and then just start listening and following these desires. And then we start creating our reality through the electromagnetic frequencies of our heart. We didn't even really get into that that kind of talk but it's like now you're, you are time traveling. To me time traveling is when you start understanding frequency and you play with this stuff and it brings you into different worlds and that's what this multi-dimensional living actually looks like and in an instant in no time no linear time. This is, this is what I am feeling like looks like a quantum way of living or quantum realities or timeline jumping or things like that is that we're playing, we're navigating it through frequency and, uh, and it never ends. We just got to let go of any of the old stories and trust it when our life prompts, prompts us with that stuff shift out of any kind of victim mode of like, damn, why is this happening to me? Where'd this come from? And like really letting go and blaming anybody else. Like to me, that's the simple stuff, but it's like, you can't get quantum play. If you still think there's bad guys, if you still think that there's somebody that's, you know, making your life suck or, and so, um, you know, shifting out of that stuff, letting go of it so we can really start to play in the magic because every day is magic.
2: Hell yeah, I know that Raphael digs that, and I'm trying my hardest to remember all this because we are remembering, so I guess in parting, I'd just say y'all find the others like Candace came on here, she turned me on to Alicia, you know, just find the others, and you'll find the patch networks that you need to get hooked into, and you will find your Nebuchadnezzar crew, and you will you know hack the matrix is kind of what we're at doing, so Raphael, any thoughts?
0: Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you everyone for listening the free navigation of time and space is a natural ability of uh, fourth density consciousness and all else i can say is uh, be the unicorn face the dragon and then meet the fairies aliens and whatever else you desire thanks again enjoy yourselves Like a okey talking, okey for men's